Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Arrival. Arrival of what, Aaron? Arrival of the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth kind. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, konnichiwa! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Jump until we mostly spoiler for your review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 263, 263. Last week I said it was our penultimate episode of 262, so this must mean that this is the final episode, 263. We made it. We made it, Aaron. It was a pretty dramatic series finale of America, so I mean, we're going to move past this new season. (laughs) (laughs) Please, let's fast forward. Yeah, we'll fast forward to the new thing. We'll talk about something very positive, which is the which is I I hope our our review for Arrival, uh, the newest film from director Denis Villeneuve, starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker, and uh, joining us today to talk Arrival and much much more. I wrote much, much to make sure I said much, much because that was necessary. Um, we have from the Psych Show and BrainKnowsBetter.com. He knows one more language than C-3PO. It's Alima too. Good to have you all here. Wait, no. Um, good to be here with you all. <laughs> <laughs> so the language got like crisscrossed. Yeah, doesn't he know like a billion languages? Yeah, and yeah. all he knows one more than he does. So good on him. A billion to one. Okay, all right, got it. I'm also a protocol droid, just, you know, in case. <laughs> he, has, he has a better motivator, that's for sure. That's right. His arm is red. His arm is red. Also yeah. joining us from Lenoir Tour, feel free to speak with him every 18 hours under a layer of mist, or in general, because he's a pretty cool guy. It's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a pretty funny, I, under I, a layer of mist. <laughs> I went he only it. comes out during the layer of mist? It has to be, like, dusk or something like that? I wrote or in general. I had a whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in was, general. Okay. T- you know, tying into the movie review. So that was that was solid. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I try. We we don't get to 263 episodes because I don't try to make clever intros before things quickly go off the rails from there. Yeah. We've broken the eggs to make the omelet. <laughs> Speaking of breaking eggs, how are you guys doing today? You know, the usual. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> That's, I was say, surviving my, is what Terrence is saying. My soul is uh, knitting itself back together. All right. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep it positive, though. Let's uh, let's. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the positive <laughs> is that it's knitting itself back together. So I'm, I'm very happy. Well, let's get some uh, let's get some show notes here going before we get things started. Uh, first up, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. It helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes and search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe, you can give us a star rating, and then you could uh, write down a sentence or two or something and uh, give us a, some kind of a review of some kind, right, Abe? Yeah, you definitely give us a review, and that'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we always like reading them, and we sometimes, well, we get them from time to time, so we'll basically shout it out on the show as well. Well, it's nice to get them, for sure. People take their yeah. time. We take our time to read them out. Uh, let's see. A new commentary track is coming. We do a commentary track every month on this show, and uh, we do have plans for one in the works, and that's probably next weekend. We'll see how that. We'll see how. Freddy versus Jason. We we passed we passed that one up. That we have to wait yeah. until next year to do a Freddy versus Jason commentary track. 
<laughs> or wait, when did that movie come out? Let's see, two thousand three. I think it was like August. Th- I think it was like Friday the thirteenth too. It's like it's like August thirteenth, two thousand three. If I had to guess, so we'll see. Maybe next August, <laughs> go a couple months early Everyone before that, that Freddy vs. Jason deadline. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see what else here. AFI Fest. Um, I have been able to attend AFI Fest with my lovely girlfriend. We've been having a great time, and I'm writing a lot of reviews about all the films that uh, we're checking out. You can make find those at over at Why So Blue. Uh, dot com and um, I'll probably bring some of those films up on the on the show here, but uh, it's been a lot of fun checking out AFI Fest. There's a lot of good programming. It's a good venue. Uh, good Is AFI also a band? Yes. Not you're not going to a band fest. You're going to the movie fest. I'm going to the American Film Institute Festival. Yes. Duly noted. <laughs> Write it down in my notebook use, right now. Can you use the present tense with AFI being a band? Like, are they still doing stuff? I'm sure they are. Maybe. I'm sure they're still if, if, touring if, with Alkaline Trio somewhere. If like bad, if bad religion's still a band, then I'm sure AFI's still a band. There you go. Okay. All right. For some reason, I put those two together. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes sense to me too. All right, let's get into it, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's do some Nova Body, where each week we ask each other a question to try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no everybody. everybody. All right. Boom! We got some we got some uh, some uh, guest support. <laughs> I always practice right before coming on. It's good. good. <laughs> just look in the mirror and just kind of you know say that over and over. <laughs> Abe, what, what uh, let's start this off with you. Very interesting question I have for you guys this week. Jeremy Renner, glasses? No glasses. Hmm. Hmm. Did, uh, does clear- he wear glasses at something? Well, he wears glasses in Arrival. Does he? Oh. And yes, in other movies, he really doesn't. And I was like, he looks weird in glasses. I'll look forward to what I assume is his subplot in Avengers and Cold Infinity War Part 1 or whatever, um, where he's at home and he's not actually involved in the Infinity War. It's just a subplot that keeps cutting back to him and dealing with, like, the, <laughs> I, I assume, an ensuing divorce following the abandoning his oh, family. Home to... life? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like a Kramer vs. Kramer style subplot where he's, like, dealing with all that while everyone else is fighting in space. <laughs> He's gonna get mad at his kids because he burned the eggs and his. No, hand. no, they're they, 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 um, What's her name from Freaks and Geeks? Linda Cardinelli's. His wife is mad at him for ditching him for civil war, and then he got arrested and had to be away for like whatever, like a year. So now he's come back, and that's like yeah. the entire plot involving Hawkeye in Infinity War. Hawkeye. And, and it's saying that he's wearing he's wearing like dad glasses. That's why I brought him. <laughs> he's wearing dad glasses like like, that. like they're always like slightly perched lower on his nose. Is he wearing a cardigan now too? Yes, of course. I got this whole thing mapped out. Like if the Russos want to come to me for some idea of what to do with Hawkeye. So to answer your question, glasses. Uh, (laughs) I vote no glasses. Yeah, I I think I'm on no glasses. I'll vote no glasses as well. To be fair, my my glasses has an asterisk. It only applies to my subplot for him in Avengers. <laughs> only in that Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, if, he, when he's, when he's, if he has to go running around with trains with with Tom Cruise again for Mission Impossible, glasses aren't going to help him. That's just how it goes. <laughs> Does he wear glasses in Mission Impossible? Like sunglasses at some point? I think that he wears glasses when he's at like the Senate hearing with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, he does. There you go. Okay. Yeah. But even then, still kind of weird looking. And then he also does wear sunglasses in that movie as well. So yeah, okay, I think sunglasses are okay, but but reading glasses that looks weird. We might have to spin yes. this off into its own podcast, guys. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. Okay, I have a question. What is the first thing you'd say or ask ask an extraterrestrial? 
Are you hungry? That's what I'd ask. So Actually, you guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is that an ellipses or is that a fill in the blank? <laughs> These are the questions. <laughs> I'd be like, how did you get here? <laughs> yeah. You get here? I, probably yeah. the best question. <laughs> I feel like Ali should have had like three questions right off the bat. I, was, I figured you'd have an answer for this one right away, but I, clearly I was mistaken. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, there, there's the obvious stuff, but then there, I, I think I might just make a statement like, please don't eat us. <laughs> don't eat I us. would actually, I'd pull them in in black and I'd give that tall man some flowers. I like that reference. I'm going, I, I like that one. That's, that's, I'll, I'll stick with that one. <laughs> Didn't that part always seem weird in the movie where Tommy Lee Jones is like, well, I'm leaving the, my, my, like the woman of my dreams, but I found an alien. So I'm going to hand him flowers. Like that's his dramatic arc in that movie. <laughs> But it's also neat that they took a photograph of it exactly at that time. Yeah, that also. <laughs> I, assume, case, I assume K has an office that we never really. He has like a cubicle apparently because he's like constantly enhancing on that computer. But like, I assume he has an office that just has that photo, photo like in a huge, like blown up version. Who wouldn't want that photo in a five feet by nine feet giant frame? I'm surprised it's not like in like various like movie geek shops like that photo specifically. That's actually a great point. Yeah, I didn't I think about that until now. But yeah, that's a great. I can point. see like shirts of like truffle shuffle on them. It seems like you could have a picture of Tommy, young Tommy Lee Jones handing a young Tommy Lee Jones who's not Josh Brolin handing flowers to a tall alien. But, uh, right. Yeah. Photoshop with the uh, '70s hair. Yep. All right. That's enough of that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> that's it's your tangent. That's how you do. No, Hello, everybody. everybody. Hello, everybody. All right. Good, good stuff, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do some at now cookies. Yep. Each weekend out now, we have one movie a week that we talk about. We have other movies that we see during the week. That was, I was like, I'm going to get cookies. Yeah. All right. That was good. I was happy with it. Yeah. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, I didn't watch anything new this week except for Arrival. It's kind of uh, ingesting a lot of news information. But I was I watched Adventures in Babysitting for the first time like two weeks ago. Yeah. The 80s version. And it's a solid movie. You know, we don't like, need to say actually, when it comes to things like this. We don't need to see original version. Just say we just, we know we're not watching. Okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe the listeners are really down with like that 2015 version or 14 version. Is it like a TV? Uh, I don't care. Tell me what do you think of Avengers: yeah, Babies? <laughs> it was it was super solid. I actually really enjoyed it a lot because the premise is simple enough, but I actually really like the people they meet along the way and what they do. And I'm really all for Vincent D'Onofre bring <laughs> young Thor. Yeah, I like that so. he's the key link to the MCU based off that movie. <laughs> he learns about his his humble ways through this girl who offers her own helmet to him. And then he's like, no, just take the car. I don't need the extra $10. Of course, he's in New York, so, and he grows up, and he becomes the kingpin. So, you know, it doesn't work out ultimately, but. Well, first he becomes like Edgar suit, and then he becomes Kingpin. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio's New York career is really strange. <laughs> uh, we'll have to look at a retrospective some week. After our Jeremy Renner sunglasses podcast. Or eyeglasses. <laughs> no, Avengers of Babysitter. I haven't seen that. It. I haven't seen that in a, a while, but I, I do like that movie. I'm a fan of it. It's got people, got kids hanging off of skyscrapers and stuff. You know? Which is a really. Uh... Kind of dangerous, yeah. If anything, but, I'm, I'm happy hey. to, like, since I seem to be so down on lots of, like, nostalgic childhood films, that that's one that I do like, actually, so there you go. Yeah, Pe- I mean, People I that doubt my ability like... to like films from when I was younger. <laughs> so, I recommend it. It's on Netflix, streaming. Okay. 
Uh, Ali, have you seen any other uh, movies recently? Yeah, I, I saw something that uh, <laughs> a little unusual. Um, so Watsonak and Don Will have a series called Shouting at the Screen, where they screen black exploitation and black cult cinema at um, at some kind of movie theater. And uh, the Alamo Draft House just opened here in Brooklyn. So I uh, went to their first screening, and they, in the context of a divided nation, they chose to screen The Thing with the Two Heads, the 1972 classic about a rich but racist man uh, and his elaborate scheme to transplant his head onto the body of a wrongly convicted black man. It It is ridiculous and amazing and horrible and stupid, and it was a wonderful experience. Did the Simpsons spoof this in one of their oh. Halloween specials, too? Yeah, I think so. And uh, the thing with the two heads is actually a sequel to a another film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the man with one head? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's 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 amazing. Um, all the close-up scenes, you can see that the two actors were just sort of like hugging each other during the during those scenes. But then, from all the action sequences, it's this like really horribly fake chrome dome, sort of just like plastered onto this dude. Um, it, it was amazing. I, I highly recommend it. Movie magic. But I also recommend probably not being sober during the duration of the film. That that's the thing with two heads. <laughs> The thing with the two heads, the nineteen seventy two classic. Black exploitation goes sci fi. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh Terrence, have you seen any other movies recently? Um, recently I was on HBO and on my couch and I didn't feel like changing the channel when How to Be Single came on. <laughs> and I should have mustered up some, you know, effort to click the remote and go to another channel because how to be single is not a good movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was like, Oh, I wonder how Dakota Johnson, you know, fares in movies outside of 50 shades of gray. The answer is not great. (laughs) Um, And I feel like there could have been a good movie there, but they, it tried to be so many things at once in terms of the characters in the film that it ended up actually being really bad. So <laughs> that's what I saw pre-election. Okay. And then I saw yeah. Arrival. So I, it, it, the, movie, the movie week trended up. <laughs> All right. That was good. I've, uh, yes. As I mentioned, I, I have been at AFI Fest with my lovely girlfriend. We've been seeing lots of uh, mostly really solid movies. We saw Lion with Dev Patel, which uh, I really liked. Um, and Donna thought was fantastic i thought it's a really strong movie we saw miss sloan with jessica chastain um i would say she's very good in it i had some issues with the movie as a whole but uh it's it's overall pretty decent um and then we saw the salesman the new oscar for hottie film director of a uh, separation in the past um and it it's another he, he's fantastic with drama um i'm being somewhat vague on some of these because we, we may or may not talk about them more um, in upcoming weeks and then uh, lastly, we saw Patterson, uh, the new Jim Jarmusch film, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. See, uh, starring uh, Adam Driver. I'm a huge Jim Jarmusch fan, and this just it's just like, Adam Driver as a bus driver. He has Adam Driver as a bus driver playing Patterson in the city of Patterson. <laughs> it all wow, uh, it all works out. The bus the bus route was Patterson apparently. That on his making sure to instruct me on what what exactly were the details of his bus of his bus driving. 
Yeah, it's cool. his name. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, lots of. Lot. And I also saw uh, Warren Beatty's new movie, which is a fun thing to say. Warren Beatty has a new movie out there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's plays uh, good. Space. He plays Howard Hughes. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, yes. It's, yeah. It's called Rules Don't Apply. Was it good? Is a fun question, Terrence, and I'll be happy to ask you that right now. It is. I overall, I was very entertained by it. I think it's messy and uneven. It feels like there's a lot. He's been working on this movie for like years, and. Uh, it feels like he shot a lot of movie and they edited it down to be what it is now. And as a result, it feels kind of lopsided in some senses of in terms of how it handles the story. It's about Howard Hughes. It's basically like after the aviator ends, it's like that late, that next period of Howard Hughes's life um, where he becomes a little more crazy, uh, a little more is putting it lightly, a little more crazy. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Well, the thing, it's not quite like Mr. Burns with the, fingernails and the <laughs> jars of urine. <laughs> That's two Simpsons references. But, um, yeah, we're going to go for the three. But, um, but you know, he's, he's more eccentric for sure. But, the, I mean, the, he's some he's he, he be, somewhat becomes the main character, but the mainly involves uh, Alden Ehrenreich and uh, Lillian, Lily Collins as, like, he plays, like, a driver, and she's one of, like, the contracted girls for R- RKO, and they form, like, a a romance it's like a romantic comedy drama around that but no it's uh, i i found it entertaining for a number of reasons but i i it's it's not a, it's not another like reds it's not another classic warren Beatty film or something like that but uh it it's very light which is what the trailer really mm-hmm. sold me you know, i can communicate that it'd be kind of sl- slight but there's a lot there that works and Beatty, he's really li- i mean he's 79 years old and he's really lively in this film that's for sure he's moving around so <laughs> like it's like <laughs> <laughs> he has that same he has that same charm that makes him kind of makes him fitting, even though he doesn't look like Howard Hughes much at all. He still kind of fits for the for the role. But, uh, mm. but yeah, uh, so yeah, so I've been seeing lots of films. Uh, still or today? Seeing, uh, not today, but um, mm. in the week maybe. So uh, yeah, okay. lots of stuff to catch. But cool. happy to see the films that we have been able to see so far. So yeah, that was Anna Quiggies. Yep. Let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our trailer talk. We talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, and what have you. And uh, this week we're talking Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. This is the upcoming film from Luc Besson, who um, is this is like a passion project for him. This is a yes. based, it's based off a uh, a French graphic novel series that he's been a huge fan of ever since he was like you know much younger. The artist for the you know the creator of this graphic novel series actually served as a as a uh, as an artistic design. He had his he his um his art designs were used as inspirations for the Fifth Element. Um, which is obviously a Luc Besson film. So now he's actually making. Now Luc Besson's actually making a film based off this graphic novel, off of you know an artist that he's really very much admires. Um, let's see. The film has Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne. Um, it has them going on adventures through space and stuff. So uh, with that in mind, let's start with uh, Terrence first. Terrence, what do you think of the trailer for Valerian? I don't know whether I found it bland or just that. In 3D, it would be better because, <laughs> you know, watching it on YouTube, I don't, it just something about it just didn't click with me in terms of the trailer. Like the design of the world looks really cool, but there was just some energy that seemed to be missing. Maybe it's from the two leads. I like Dane DeHaan a lot. I think he's a pretty good actor. And Kara, I am much less sold on. Um, and so it was like, oh, like this could be a fun you know, maybe it'll avatar me and be just a really, really cool experience to sit in a movie theater. But in terms of like, 
engagement from the trailer, I wasn't, it didn't really hit me like it hit some other people. Ali, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, uh, a little bit in Terrence's camp here. I love the fifth element. Um, I think that movie is ridiculously fun and I, I never saw Lucy, uh, the last film from this director, but, uh, this movie does have a little bit of that fifth element vibe. Um, it, it also has a little bit of a Jupiter, Jupiter ascending vibe, uh, w- which is, I think what made me sort of uh, lukewarm on it, uh, looked up the film and it's got some other actors. I, I really love Ethan Hawke is in it. Um, John Goodman, I think is voicing a character. Clive Owen is in it as well. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a, a, a more of a, a compelling story to the movie. Uh, I haven't read the graphic novel series. I hadn't heard of it, actually. So I might look into that. So I'm I'm, uh, cautiously optimistic. I will go see it. I will see it when it opens. This is my genre. I love it. Um, But I I really hope it doesn't suck. I am all for it. Why am I all for it? Because Luc Besson makes really weird movies. (laughs) And sometimes they're really bad. And sometimes they're really fun. I don't know if there's one that's been really good since... 1989, but uh, the trailer. You're reaching a ways back there, if you think, because Lefemme Nikita's after that. And the, 1993? The, is it 1993 Lefemme Nikita? The, the professional is what, 95? <laughs> I, I'm actually more of a fan of Lefemme Nikita than the professional, but uh, in any case, the trailer, like, does it look good? Nope. <laughs> does it look like it's, uh, you know, kind of fun? Kinda? But I'm. That soundtrack score whatever song you want to call it kind of was pumping me up and the bad cg looked all right so i'm actually kind of really stoked to go and see how good or bad this is i'm actually it looks fun and again you mentioned that it's a passion project and he's been working on it for i think like over 10 years right like uh developing i mean working on it's one thing but like developing it developing making yeah but it's certainly something he's wanted to do for a while yeah yeah, and if it's if it's a, a giant flame out, then you know, like again, like what Ali mentioned, the last movie that he directed was Lucy, and I thought it was <laughs> entertaining to some degree uh, about just how ridiculous it was. So I can only hope that Valerian is the same way with Dane DeHaan wearing beach shorts. <laughs> I I'm I'm all in on this movie. I. <laughs> I I, I like right. I I want to hope that Luc Besson goes you know it it brings back what I really love about the Fifth Element which is just kind of a go for broke sense of energy that goes along with a sense of creativity and this movie certainly looks like it has a lot of creativity the um the kind of the balance between miniature and CG certainly upended because we're in 2016 and not 1997 at this point but I <laughs> and, and for that said the CG is not finished um but that's hardly a concern of mine it's more of how he manages to kind of push these characters into this world and I'm all for seeing new worlds um, even if they're inspired by a graphic novel which I'd be excited to check out eventually I know it's a French graphic novel so I'd be curious if it's easy to procure or not but regardless I might be a little tainted by this just because I saw more footage at Comic Con which really helped to sell me on what's going on how dare you Um, (laughs) but seeing some of this stuff cobbled together I just think there's lots of really fun ideas just in this two minutes alone there's stuff like the there's a shot with like what Dane DeHaan's in like his big his like power suit or whatever, and he's like shooting down little like platforms for him to run around on and stuff. Like there's just little ideas like that. It's like this movie's just gonna be all kinds of stuff like this, and I'm all aboard. 
um, it'd be yeah, it'd be nice to see more of like the interaction between the leads <laughs> or whatnot. Because I know it's supposed to be like a like a Nick and Nora type relationship, and um, I I hope that works well with uh, just the rest of this film, which is, looks to create just a whole new universe. You mentioned Jupiter ascending, Ali, and that's a that's a good point. And as far as kind of an overly ambitious sci-fi adventure that has so much to do within a little amount of time and has some other issues, but like if it's I, I'm happy to see, you know, a director take on something that's like this, that's, you know, original to a point. I know it's a great graphic novel, but like, you know, something we haven't seen before, especially in, you know, the sci-fi realm that goes all out. And with Luke Besson having a big budget, that makes me, you know, that makes me excited again. I know, you know, he's had other movies that have had less to work with. So, uh, you know, and he does do fun, and yes, um, that's, yeah. that's what Jupiter Ascending was lacking. Um, and Dane DeHaan, I, I really found him compelling in Chronicle. Uh, he is a he's a pretty good actor. He could he could make this work. So cautiously optimistic. Will he make this work? Isn't that the question of the day? Um, Valerian <laughs> and the City of a Thousand Planets opens next July twenty first, two thousand seventeen. Um, so that's a giant have... city, unless all the planets are like. Palm side. <laughs> There's a thousand planets. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. But uh, all right, so that's right. that. Let's uh, let's get to our main review, guys. Speaking of uh, alien type stuff, we're we're gonna talk about our the the, the film Arrival. There are days that define your story beyond your life, <laughs> like the day they arrived. Objects measure at least. I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they call him, the UFO. That should have been some of the trailer for Arrival, the latest feature from French-Canadian director Denis Villeneuve, whose films Prisoners and Sicario we have previously covered on this podcast. This time around, the director has put together a feature based on a short story, The Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang, which presents a different sort of alien arrival story. Amy Adams stars as a linguistics professor recruited by Colonel Forrest Whitaker, along with a mathematician played by Jeremy Renner, to research one of the 12 spaceships that have parked themselves on the planet. The idea is to find a way to communicate with the ETs, which will be necessary if the world wants to keep tensions involving how to deal with this event from boiling over. Ali, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to phrase this, come up with a neat question to ask you as we get into our review for mm. Arrival. You, fi- you find ways to communicate with, with, young, with younger people, with children, um, mm-hmm. as, as part of what you do for, you know for a living let alone you know. um, <laughs> what do you think about a film like this which challenges humans to attempt to bridge communi- a communication gap with things from another world yeah I, I really um i love that whole aspect of the film uh, and i think the the parts of the movie that work so much for me are the the scenes of um trying to bridge that communication gap uh, there, there's parts of the movie that work less well for me, but all the ideas coming out about language and about communication between humans and alien life, between humans and humans, um, about how language warps, w- how we understand the world and the power of language, all of those ideas here I, I absolutely loved. Terrence, what have been your thoughts on the career of Denis Villeneuve so far and what do you think of Arrival? Um, I've liked most of his movies. I think my favorite amongst his output is Enemy, which I thought was just this really twisted tale. And then it had 
one of the creepiest endings that I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> just to stop you real quick, I just I rewatched that. I really like Enemy too. That's probably my favorite of his films yeah. also. And um, did you catch the, there's a there's I think there's a reference to Enemy in Arrival. Just a, that it references that shot that you're thinking of. Yes, that. and both shots had me very very shook. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I've I've I like how his sense of atmosphere and understanding of like time and and sort of space within a, in a narrative is really really great with the rival i mean even two days after seeing it i'm still trying to make heads or tails of whether i liked it or not <laughs> i appreciate what it's going for i understand the movie i just know that there were huge swaths of that movie where i was not engaged with it the way that i would like to have been and I guess, you know, when we get more into it, we can talk about that. But just like, I I appreciate the movie for what it is, but there's just something about it that kept me from embracing it fully. Abe, I know you were, you were, you were big on uh, Prisoners and Sicario, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Sicario more so than Prisoners, okay. but... Uh, oh, yeah, we all like... For the film. I th- you know what? <laughs> you say this, and I feel like the last time I brought up Prisoners... Everyone got on me because I claimed that we all were okay with prisoners. Now you're saying okay, but <laughs> well, no, I mean we we enjoyed prisoners. I think that it was a little bit longer than it that it needed to be, and yeah. uh, I, I was a huge fan of Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that movie. Yes, that that, um, yeah, that, that we all agreed on. <laughs> and of course, you and I love that that Roger Deakin shot of him just taking a look at the door and a tree. Uh huh. Yeah, and Paul but, Dano uh, getting beat up. You know, that's another thing I enjoy in, in movies. I mean, you enjoy that regardless of what's happening. <laughs> so. What did you think so, of Arrival? Arrival, I really enjoyed Arrival. I think that it was uh, uh, more captivating than perhaps Sharon's thought, and that's not a knock. I mean, I I certainly when I left the theater, I texted to my buddies that it's certainly not for everybody because it's a little slow at times. Um, but with that being said. I enjoyed the slow, deliberate pace and the deliberate direction of Arrival uh, and what it was trying to present to the audience about what Ali was just mentioning uh, of language barriers and uh, how basically conflict can arise from the simplest miscommunication, uh, which always reminds me of that commercial with the German submarines and they're uh, they're in communication with another submarine. They're saying like, "Oh, we're sinking," and then it's really dramatic. And at the end, the Germans respond with, "What are you sinking about?" And uh, <laughs> keep going uh, with this with this reference to this commercial. Nobody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that nobody remembers it, but the example is communication can be harmful. It can be ineffective, ineffective, or it can be you know uh, incredibly liberating to some degree. But with that being said. Uh, I think what I really liked is I enjoyed a lot of the technical aspects of it. I I, I love the score. I love the cinematography. I really like that that strange blue hue that the uh, cinematographer or director was going for. But uh, yeah, I could definitely see where Terrence is coming from because I also acknowledge that there are some moments where I wasn't really into it as much. But that might have been because uh, it was I don't want to say tropish. Uh, and the example I'm I'm getting to is is uh, a couple of rogue soldier soldiers later, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, something like that where it's like, ah, uh, you know, I, I, I feel as though this was a very abbreviated section of the movie, and maybe it could have been left out. 
But with that being said, I think the overall message was really neat. I actually went out and bought the book on Kindle, like afterward, the short story, uh, and I'm I'm reading it right now. But um, long again, from a technical standpoint, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And from a message standpoint, sure, I, I'm on par with the message of, hey, let's kind of wait and see and let's make sure that we understand each other clearly. But I, there's an aspect of the movie which I kind of enjoyed the most. And I was like, oh, that's that's a really clever aspect. I, I hadn't thought about that, but you guys kind of presented that into my face pretty much the entire duration of the movie uh, of one concept of uh, the space-time continuum. So on the whole, I, it's a recommend for me. How how long is the short story? Uh, there's multiple short stories, so I'm only in like the first part of a different short story. Oh, so there's like a, it's uh, like a book of short stories that he. Yeah, wrote. the book is like 260 some odd pages. But did you read the one that this movie's based off yet? No, not yet, because okay. I want to read it in, in the way that he wrote it. I like Arrival. I I um I'm a fan of uh, of the director in general. I've I've really liked most of his films um i i do like like terrence you mentioned enemy i'm a big fan of enemy and sicario i really like as well um prisoners from a technical standpoint i think there's a lot of great stuff here and arrival i think it it manages to capitalize on both things as well it's very technically profound terrence i know you're a big fan of the the cinematographer bradford young correct yes yeah, i love bradford and i think between him and uh, the composer was it johan johansson i i think they create a, a great sense of mood that, that really gets across the kind of the kind of atmosphere you're these characters are are within and what helps is that the film could easily could easily be you know more cold and more calculating uh, just based off kind of the look of it and whatnot but there there is a there's kind of an empathetic quality to what's going on here because i think amy adams is really terrific in the lead i think she does a lot with um you know what she's given here and the film doesn't kind of move away from having a level of emotion to go with this very procedural process of examining how we would realistically try to handle a situation such as this. The things that I want to praise the most are, you know, my major spoilers for the movie, so it's, I have to be a little bit vague, but <laughs> I, I, and I think we're all kind yeah. of struggling with that a little bit as well. Uh, but You can say it. You can say it. She no, means I, I, BFG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, depending on how we go on there, I might, I might, we might just, uh, you know, make a spoiler mark, and people don't want to that seen the film or have no regard. We can talk a little more openly about yeah. things that are going on in it. But for now, I just want to say that you know, I do think the film, the the idea of having a an alien based movie that has characters acting very smart about how to handle things for the most part, particularly the leads, you know, Renner and Adams uh, and Whitaker, um, having them, you know, work on ways that make sense where it's like, well, what do we do? Well, we've got to find a way to communicate with it. Uh, we, so we bring in a linguistics professor and a mathematician, people that can communicate in ways that would be somewhat universal. Like there's a really interesting way it goes about doing that. I think the, I, you know, we talked about, remember we talked about the trailer and we saw like the, the very initial yes. part of it. Uh, yeah. I, I really wish that we did just stick to watching that. Like <laughs> the, the teaser trailer, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not, yeah. it's not that the, you know, knowing more of it kind of ruined the film for me. I wouldn't say that, but I do think I, I would, you know, I'd be happy for any audience member that goes into a film like this completely fresh um, and just watches the film kind of discover itself at, or, you know, allow you to discover what's going on in the film as it goes along. Because, I mean, the the narrative is very simple um, as far as how it spells out the story. And so, like, the, the what you basically learn from a trailer from this film essentially lays out the first, what, like, 45 minutes of it. Like, so it's, you're getting a lot of information that 
you know, it's a, it's a pri- it kind of slowly duels out. That's so that interesting. I, I didn't. That was oh, me. I, I saw the first trailer, and then I hadn't seen anything since uh-huh. um, until I saw the movie. So yeah, I, I, had, I, I had the same ex- exact experience, Terrence. Um, I, I don't know what was revealed in that second uh, trailer, but um, it, I came in pretty fresh. I, I, I saw enough to know I was going to see this movie. Yeah, and I did too. It was more of like, well, here's the f- that was the teaser for the trailer, even though it was a long teaser for the full trailer. And it's like, well, let's yeah. let's see. And I was, I was kind of wedge. I was hedging my bet that the it would just be more of what's going on before they get to the point where that trailer ends. But it's not. It uh, <laughs> it goes more into like <laughs> it goes more to what the film's essentially about, which is the communication aspect, which is not a horrible thing, but it's just like getting to that point. That's a lot of the movie right there, just to get to that point. And so. It, you know, there's less of a, I don't know, a freshness when you kind of have somewhat of a, you know, a bread, a breadcrumb trail of where things are going to be headed already. That said, I did really like the movie. Like I do, I, I do appreciate the style. It does have a deliberate pace to it, but it doesn't bother me when I'm getting so much interesting stuff happening. Um, and I think that largely comes from the scenes that, like Ali, you mentioned, uh, and I will probably surely talk about the, the communication aspect, the idea of building an understanding of how people, how, how species beings can uh, go about learning how to understand one another i thought that was a very interesting something i haven't you know seen before really and something i thought was just very compelling throughout this thing mm-hmm. yeah I did, I did think that that was the the best part of the film and in many ways to me it feels like the the inverse of contact and contact is so much about um humanity in response to um, making uh, contact with an alien race. And this is so much about uh, the communication with the aliens and all of the the story about the human-to-human relationships I thought was, was really lacking here. Uh, but the alien-to-human uh, interaction was, was really compelling. When you mentioned the human-to-human interaction, do you mean like just between like between like the leads or just like uh, yeah? Mo- I, I thought most of the relationships between the humans and the larger human conflict that emerges in response to first contact with the aliens wasn't as compelling to me. I wasn't really as invested in those storylines or those characters or their relationships. And uh, there's more that would probably get into spoiler territory, um, but that has to do with Amy Adams' character. It wasn't, I thought those relationships could have been fleshed out a little bit more. And that combined with some of the, some of the pacing um, kind of took me out of the movie a, a little bit, but Whenever I was feeling that the score and the cinematography was so compelling that it it, it still uh, pulled me in, but yeah, I thought those relationships could have been developed a little bit more. I have a couple of thoughts. Yeah, on I, that. I, have, I have a couple of thoughts on that, and I yeah. want to shoot the Terrence because Terrence, you're a little bit more like mixed on whether you really appreciate the film or not, and I think that yes. does that stem from the that the human characters? It does, and it also stems. I'm trying to avoid spoiling I, anything. Yeah. Can we say that it's a non-linear story? We, I mean, yeah, there is a, a the Amy Adams there's an side, aspect to it. There's yeah, an aspect there's, involving there's an... Amy Adams that delivers uh, an understanding that that she has as her own like history that's being kind of told yes. throughout the story. And so when that started sort of melding with what her, the communication aspect is, when I started to sort of zone out a bit because. You know, I just I just found her and Jeremy Renner trying to communicate with these aliens so compelling. And so I, I like, you know, I like science in my sci-fi. 
Um, and so it was really interesting to see that. But definitely the human characters, particularly Forrest Whitaker's character and how he relates to the two of them was just like, okay, well, you brought them here to do this job. Like, you can't question every, you know, tiny, minute decision. And so, yeah, the human... But I mean, I guess that's, that's in most things with the aliens is that you always find the stuff with the aliens and the humans more interesting than the humans, particularly because the human stuff felt generic is the wrong word, but just like, Boiler okay, point. like we, yeah, I, I'd expect this to be happening in other nations that are dealing with the same threat. Yeah, I sort of felt that way, too, which is, um, you know, the human interactions are I. Uh, but when they're talking sciencey stuff and when talking to the aliens, uh, that's where it became very engrossing. Um, and even when she's talking, the example is she gives an, uh, something about a kangaroo to Forrest Whitaker. I was yeah. like, oh, that's pretty neat. And then later when she's breaking down a sentence, a very simple sentence, I was like, that's also very neat. But when Forrest Whitaker has a line of like, you know, a throwaway line, like these are the words that you're going to use, stick to the words. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot there. I know that he's under pressure, but, and I know that it's not really about him versus uh, Amy Adams versus Jeremy Renner. But uh, later in the, you know, middle of the second act to the third act, Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams is uh, their interaction becomes a little bit more engrossing. But I didn't, I didn't get that initial uh, investment, so I didn't really care that much, mm-hmm. and I kind of knew where things were going to go. So all in all. I would say that, yeah, I agree with uh, Ali and Terrence about uh, maybe you too, Aaron. Well, about, I, so I, uh, I want to get to some thoughts I had on this stuff. before sure. we, before we, what I really, I, I do think we should, we'll, we'll yeah, we we'll have to, but, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll give the, the listeners a fair warning, but before, beforehand, as far, by the way, the, the poster does not feature Renner with glasses on. Just want to make that clear. Um, <laughs> the, um, the thoughts, as far as like the humans go, I, I, I have two thoughts on that where one is I'm curious how aware both Villeneuve and um, Eric Heisserer, the, uh, the screen, the, the, the screenwriter of the film, how aware they are of the, cause it's, you know, it's not like they can, it's not beyond them to watch the movie or, you know, design a movie like this and be aware of what's going on as far as these human relationships go. I don't, it's not, it doesn't feel like a chemistry thing. Like I don't, you know, you have great actors in this movie. So I don't think it's like they, it's, it's beyond them to act a certain way to, play up a relationship or not but i i'm curious if it's almost purposeful to have it feel somewhat more stilted compared to the alien things that are you know directly involved them or what have you that's only you know that's speculation it's i can't really prove that but i I, I, i've seen that kind of thing before where you can you can have them even with something like 2001 actually you can have kind of human interactions feel very deliberately off where the you know the, the direct interaction with the the, the science fiction aspect, be it, you know, be it HAL 9000 or be it, you know, these crazy looking mist aliens. I mean, there's a, <laughs> there, there, there's a way to handle that, that I'd be curious if the film is sure. deliberately trying to do. The other thing is you mentioned contact Ali, and mm-hmm. that's a movie that has, it has a, you know, a, it has a scope to it and a, and a budget to really work with it um, to kind of build a, build a world out of what they're doing. There's a lot of different moving parts in that film. There's a lot of different characters from, Tom Skerritt to Jake Busey. I mean, there's a lot of people that can that are involved in contact to kind of make it feel like there's a, a realistic world being here. Arrival, it, it's more claustrophobic. Like there, there's, you know, you have four main characters. You have Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and what Michael Stuhlbarg, and then like some soldiers. 
Like, there's not mm-hmm. many people here. You're only exploring one area. You're only in Montana, basically, for, like, the duration of the movie. And the film has a lower budget. Like, you know, it's, it's like, 50 mm-hmm. million or something like that. Which, really? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, think about it, though. There's, it's not like, there's, you know, there's not massive destruction sequences. Yeah. There's not crazy action or whatnot. This well, is a very... It's a very they spent con- that fifty million very well. <laughs> it's a very, oh, it's a very contemplative sci-fi movie, and it, it makes me wonder, like, because you know, having that limitation, does that mean that we? That's something that I've kind of battled with as far as my, how much I can appreciate the film. It's like I, you kind of wish there might have been more to it. And you're, I mean, you're talking about like fleshing out the characters or whatnot. I think if you have a bigger world or you expand the scope a bit, that might have been able to allow for something like that. Well, and it does have that larger scope. There is a connection with uh, the global community and how they're responding to to arrival. And it's, uh, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that um, these uh, the ships, there's multiple ships that land on the planet and um, many different countries are reacting to them differently. And that's, that's part of what I loved about the story. Um, it would have been nice to have a little bit more of that. Um, I mean, it does feel, does feel like a more of an intimate story, probably closer to um, close encounters of a third kind where it, it, it does follow uh, just a few characters and how they respond to this, this first contact um, scenario. Um, that's a, that's an interesting poll. And it's, what it, that's what's neat to you know think about various sci-fi movies over the year. We have something like I don't know the day the Earth stood still, which mm-hmm. you know th- there's a it's basically a technology thing that I'm thinking about where you have mm-hmm. you can only have so many means to be able to accomplish so much. So you have earlier sci-fi films, you have to rely on the actors obviously because you know they need to do something to offset the fact that the effects are going to be only so much. Something like Close Encounters, you know, is Spielberg may have had somewhat of a do anything license at that point following Jaws, but like he. And he certainly used what would be considered some of the best, the latest and greatest special effects at that time with, you know, giant miniatures and what have you. But he's still, he's writing a personal story that he's able to you know, kind of put together, not necessarily through like grassroots, but he has a, a limit of what he can do. Now, you know, you get to contact and you have more abilities that, you know, Zemeck is a huge technology guy. He certainly knows how to you know, make things work on the screen as far as building up elaborate special effects. You have a film like Arrival now. Where we're in 2016, you have kind of limitless abilities to do things depending on, you know, budget or what have you. And whether it's a conscious effort to keep it, you know, a fairly mid-budget range level for an alien invasion movie or not, I, I, I am curious if it was if it was something that he, like, it was a personal challenge to make a film like this that had only so many moving parts to it. Or if that was just, like, you know, by design, like, what it was supposed to be. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was by design because yeah. and and the challenges because uh, oh, yeah, you know, a challenge, I, though, I gave no them forty nine million dollars so <laughs> I <laughs> they could I only had so much money to to produce this movie but you hear what so, I'm saying like yeah. I mean there's a there's, I do yeah there's a ver- well, there's think... versions of this kind of movie that could be all out with you know yeah. of course, tons yeah. of characters so, I mean, tons of visual effects or whatnot right. and, this and, has and some part of that is also that, yeah. yeah part of that is also hey they could have really taken a really generic approach to the conflict of the movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mentioned uh, sort of this tropish thing about soldiers later in the movie. It's like they could have gone into a type of movie that you have seen mo- many times before, but no, they, they kind of chose to stick it out with the science aspect of things and and uh, this learning aspect of things. So I appreciate that very much. Yes, yeah, 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 and I, I think... agree that there's some, there's certainly some like, I don't want to call them necessarily contrivances to the plot as far as how it gets to a certain point, but well, there are, there are, <laughs> there, yeah, there, there are, but I mean, I think there's, 
there's a way it goes about doing so that I found to be unique in its own way. Like there's, you know, there's even like a ticking clock type ending, but I think the kind of <laughs> the stakes surrounding that I felt were, I appreciated what they're doing with that as opposed to, you know, we got to stop the bomb, like, or, you know, we got to save this person or else the whole planet explodes. Like it feels less and about. And then yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, as far as arrival, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's not a bit, you know, it's, there's, there's less of a choice to go big on the film, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I did, I, I'm trying to let, I, I want to let that outweigh any, you know, kind of character issues I have. But I, at the same yeah. time, I didn't really, I didn't like, I didn't find it inauthentic, I guess. And I did warm up to it as it kind of, or, you know, I got more, when you learn more, it becomes Certainly. more apparent what yeah. it's trying to do. And I really, I liked what it was trying to do with the kind of, you mentioned the side story. I, I really liked what it was trying to do with that side story. That said, I would say I necessarily, like, I figured it out. Like, I was tinkering away in my mind of, like, what's going on here? But it, mm. it, it felt like less of a, you know, look at this revelation I just made and more of a, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really, that was me as well. <laughs> um, I do think that the, the, the lower budget helped aid in the profoundness of it because it was really sort of tightly focused even as it was not. And, like, you, you mentioned Contact and Close Encounters. I think what makes... Both of those movies really work um, as well as this one is this like we always want this understanding of sort of what's out there. But then it's like, how much can you comprehend about it? Contact has a really, you know, sort of great quote at the end about like the universe being so massive. So why would we why would we be the only planet that has life? Um, Because that would be a waste of space. So you get like these profound moments and you do get those in, in Arrival. Just that like as the movie was building to what it was building to, I was kind of like, okay. That's where it's going, and it wasn't like this grand revelation. But I do, I do think that the the tight focus definitely helped it because this is a story that could have. I don't know if it would have worked if we'd have gotten too much of everybody else's reactions and what they were doing well, versus just. The well, and I think, did. I think how much it works for you really depends upon how much some of the ideas of the movie resonate with you. So, with Contact, it was so much, and this is what I love about science fiction. It, it's so much about about us and about humanity and contact with so much of um, a story really about faith and um, the, the conflict between faith and science sometimes. And here, this is so much about how we understand each other and how language impacts how we think and uh, language as a tool and language potentially as a weapon. And I can't think of a movie that, um, uh, so resonates with what's happening in America, but what's also happening in other parts of the world with the rise of nationalism and, and so much in- misunderstanding uh, between us. You know, America is very much divided. 50% of the country is very happy right now. 50% of the country is unhappy with the presidential election. And there is so much of a uh, difference in how we are communicating about the exact same ideas. So if Arrival works and it really works and it's compelling for you. I think it's compelling because of these ideas. It's compelling because of the the language that we get to see in the film. It's it's compelling between because of the the some of the ideas of linguistic relativity and how language completely shapes your thought and your experience. And um, if those kind of things resonate for you, I think you'll love this film. Um, but it's it's hard to get to some of those places for some people, I think, given the other limitations of it. Couldn't have said it better myself. 
Do you guys want to talk about the where things go at all? Yes, I believe yes. that we should. Okay, well, let's put. A, I'm going to put a hard <laughs> marker down right now, and then maybe I'll move this to the end of the pod, like after the. Uh, sure. After yeah. the outro music. So if you're still listening right now, if you want to hear more of what we're going to say about you know how where the movie goes, uh, make sure to you know stick around to the very end of the podcast. All right. <laughs> we just had a conversation about Arrival that's at the end of this podcast now, so feel free to make sure to stick around to the very ending of that. But for now, I'm going to ask you guys, where to, when should people go and see Arrival? Ali? Uh, well, I was just I just started to think about how we are recording this podcast in sort of a non-linear way. Uh-huh. Uh, that's kind of cool. If you're a sci-fi fan, you, you should go see this right now, the, especially the, the cinematography um, is, is just beautiful. It'll look great on a, on, on a big screen. If you're not a sci-fi fan um, or uh, didn't enjoy movies like Close Encounters or uh, Contact, then maybe wait for, for On Demand. Terrence, when should people go see Arrival? Definitely go see it in the theater on the biggest screen possible because it is really, really gorgeous and the technical aspects of it are great. Also, if you made it through The Revenant, um, <laughs> you can make it through this movie. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they're, they're very similar in terms of focusing on a on a main actor and dealing with nonlinear story structure. So It's a good call, actually. It's a good uh, yeah. connection there. Uh, Abe, why don't you people go see this movie? I definitely think for the technical aspects, you should definitely see this in the theaters. I think also the storyline is probably worth it. So on the whole, uh, I would say theater. I'm, I'm very happy that a movie like this exists where you can ask yourself questions and get into conversations such as we do on this podcast about the you know the themes or what have you. In addition to it just being another, I think, a very you know a, a visually uh, engrossing film from a, a filmmaker that I'm, I'm really enjoying. Um, it helps that you have, I mean, we might have some problems with the some of the character actors or whatnot, but I do think the acting's generally great in this movie from the from Renner and Adams Adams in particular. I think they're all doing their job. So yeah, I certainly say go you know see it in a theater, um, see something more original such as this. Um, short story aside, I mean I think it it's worth putting money to something like this because you get more stuff like this in the future. All right, so that was our lengthy discussion on Arrival. Um, a little shorter if you didn't listen to the spoiler section yet, but uh, let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our sponsor real quick. Uh, today's bo- podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? I'll let you know why Audible. It includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and other similar programs for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Download an audiobook for free and just start listening. It's that easy. You can check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that book they download for free for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash out podcast. All right. Let's get to uh, let's get to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers from our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out podcast, where we asked a number of questions that our listeners were happy to provide answers for. And uh, so they're going. we're going to read those questions aloud right now. And uh, Terrence and Ali, feel free to add your own uh, two cents on some of these if you feel like it. All right. <laughs> And uh, let's see, our first question here is, what would you want to say to aliens that have suddenly arrived? <laughs> Rob writes, well, I doubt they would speak our language, but if they could understand me, it'd probably be along the lines of, can you teach us about technology you used to travel so far? Ooh. Joe writes, please don't put that probe where I think you're going to put that probe. <laughs> oh, man. Brad writes, now what's your mission? Are you planning on making some kind of alien-human hybrid? Manish writes, take me with you. Jay writes, welcome to Earth. Jason writes, does this planet have Big Belly Burger? Any Flash fans out there? And Adam Adam Gentry writes, friend of the show, writes, help us, please help us. 
<laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Uh, next question we asked everybody, what is your favorite Amy Adams performance? Manisha writes, her, where she has a terrific haircut. The fighter, doubt, Miss Pettigrew, she's a major fave. Uh, Jay writes, her segment in uh, Life's a Happy Song in The Muppets. Justin has probably get heat, but I like Julia and Julia. I won't get heat, although I, her segment of the movie I did not like very much. I just like <laughs> the, the Meryl Streep portion. Uh, Philip has Charlie Wilson's assistant. We get a lot of uh, Charlie Wilson's war references on this podcast lately. You notice that? I have noticed that. It's a good movie. People it's should come up see like, it. It's come up like each time in the last three weeks. I think so, too, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Philip Seymour Hoffman, terrific performance. Uh, Jason, lastly, Jason writes, from TV, it would be the episode of Smallville where she would be, uh, uh, where she would be to be beautiful. Uh, and movies, either Enchanted or American Hustle. There you go. Um, I'm surprised no one said Junebug. That's why I first. You did. Her. Yeah, that's why she <laughs> that, um, Oscar nomination, her first Oscar nomination. Yeah, she was great there. She was very good in that movie, yeah. And the next question we ask everybody, favorite Fort Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker performance. So follow up. Jason has anything that isn't his character from Taken 3 who loves donuts and wants to stop Brian Mills. <laughs> never, never saw Taken 3, so I'm going to take his word for it. Yeah, that's a good advice. <laughs> David writes, not a movie, but The Shield. Forrest uh, as the mortal enemy of Michael Chiklis's Vic Mackey was great casting. Completely agree. Uh, I'm a huge fan of The Shield, and Forrest Whitaker was a huge part of what made that show great. Nice. Uh, Matthew writes, I suppose I haven't seen him in, in much, but he was awesome in Last King of Scotland. Yes. And uh, Joe writes, Amos in The Color of Money. Uh, Justin has The Crying Game. And lastly, Philip has The Last King of Scotland. Well, yeah. no one wrote Ghost Dog, so I'm disappointed because that is like I know. the worst winner performance. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wrote Panic Room, where he's got, uh, you know, what's his, the Joker working with him. He's good at Pit. I like Forrest. Forrest Whitaker is one of those. Forrest Whitaker in general, I, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. He's generally easy actors. Like, well, he's not bad. Some of the movies and, might be. Yeah. <laughs> and his Academy, his Academy Award nomination or acceptance Win. speech was was really nice. Yeah. What's the what? What's the one with all the different people going like running around? Um, it starts with a V. He's he's like a tourist in that movie. Like Matthew Fox is in it. Like there's a bunch of people in it. Matthew Fox. Is it a political it, thriller? Yeah, it's like a, there's like an assassination. Of like I think like yeah, Dennis Quaid's the president. Uh, vantage point. Vantage point. There it is. That yeah. Was yeah. Okay. I never saw it, but I'm familiar with how dumb that movie is. That's that movie that like <laughs> after you win an Academy Award, you do like a really shitty movie. That's that one for Forrest Whitaker. That's uh, that's Jupiter Ascending for uh, what's his face? Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. It's, yeah. it's chill factor for Cuba Gooding Jr. Wasn't he anyway. in a, a phone booth or something Forrest like Whitaker that? Forrest Whitaker was in phone Whitaker? booth. He's, yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's the police officer. He's good he's in phone, phone booth. booth. Yeah, he's he also good. in uh, a really good movie. Uh... Phone booth's a good movie about communication. Ah. There you go. There's a tie-in. Got it. All right. And he's going to uh, be in next... Rogue One as well. He is. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Another movie about communication. Next question we have. Favorite <laughs> Jeremy Renner performance? Uh, Jason writes The Hurt Locker and American Hustle. Uh, Rob writes The Town. Philip writes Goat Mission Impossible Cold and Ghost Protocol. Jay writes Avengers Age of Ultron. Justin writes I liked him in Captain America Civil War. Manish writes his powerful performance as a drug addict in The Bourne Legacy. Hashtag Where Mike are the Germans? Oh, Hashtag God. Mike <laughs> Seriously, though, The Town and Age of Ultron. I like him in American Hustle, a.k.a. the movie where everybody but him was nominated for an Academy Award. I like that yeah. one a bit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I thought he was... 
I thought he was the best one. Performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he always reminded me of the mayor from Doug in in the uh, from that movie because he's got like the same hairstyle and he's got like uh, those suits. So, in any case. <laughs> D- Doug Doug was based off the events depicted in American House. Really? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. The whole, the whole series, the whole series stemmed from that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question we have to everybody. Favorite film featuring an alien arrival that didn't involve mass destruction? Jason writes Gareth, Edward, uh, Gareth Edwards' Monsters. Uh-huh. Philip has Super 8. There's some I, destruction. There's, that yeah, one. like there's that train. That sound gets crashed in a tire train. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and also that that third act where the aliens eating oh. everybody is, you know, kind of a bummer. He doesn't need everybody. Manish writes, what? He doesn't need everybody. He doesn't need everybody. He spins them in cocoons or something like that too, right? Eight was so good until you saw the alien full. Yes. Pretty yeah. Much, yes. Uh, Manish has The Day the Earth Stood Still, original, obviously. Uh, Joe has E.T., and Justin also echoes E.T. I also like the Arrival, Charlie Sheen, version. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Fire in the Sky. I gotta add one to the list, and that's Star Trek First Contact. Probably one of the best Star Trek films, and it's uh, the birthplace of uh, that utopian future. Nice. Is that where they make First Contact? That's a, yeah, yeah, you would never yeah. guess it from the yeah. title, but yeah. I wouldn't have guessed it. Our next question Another is... Another movie about communication, apparently. Yeah. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Our next question is, uh, Ang Lee's new film, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, uses 3D and a sequence filmed in 120 frames per second. Do you find this intriguing, and do you find this choice to, ex- to excite you for future films? Uh, Manish writes, if made by a filmmaker who wants to use the technology to enhance the story, I'm all for it. If it's just a cash grab or just because it's awesome, I'm, it's really off-putting. Uh, Justin writes, I'm not sure any 3D excites me. And Philip writes, nope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I like the idea of, of people shooting in high frames per second. Um, I mean, I hated that first Hobbit movie, but it looked great in 48 frames per second. So it's, it's if you can, you know, I, I'll take the Ang Lee's of the world trying to use it. But I do think you need the right story and setting for it. Because what I've been hearing about Billy Lynn is that, like, the battle scenes look really great in the high frame rate, but it's too realistic for, like, the the more, like, intimate moments of the story. But, yeah, I like I like the high frame rate for certain I, things. I'm it's very, a question. I'm, I'm curious about it. I haven't seen Billy yeah. Lynn yet. And, um, fortunately, in L.A., where the Arclight in Hollywood is the only place where you can actually see it in the way it's intended to be shown. Um, so I'll be... I'll be curious just because I I am a fan of Ang Lee and I like the idea of someone doing something that seems so you know unique and forward thinking as far as what's yeah. possible. But right. I did not like seeing the Hobbits in 48 frames per second, and I was sadly had to see each one of those films in that way, and I was not a fan of doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, second. <laughs> it, it, it feels like. It, it feels like going to Best Buy and seeing like the you know HD TVs with auto motion plus yeah. on, so it's like yeah, it, right. it throws me off. So I'll be, you know, that's just 48 frames per second. This is 120, so yeah. it's like I don't know what to expect. But I, I I have to go with you know what he intended to do just to see what that looks like for myself. Yeah. So I, I asked Aaron this question off air last week as well because I I had been reading the stories in the news articles about. 120 frames per second. Unfortunately, it's only playing in like 
seven or eight right theaters now, and yeah, yeah like, worldwide slowly, and yeah, be like, theaters aren't equipped with it to do it yeah so. but with that being said i uh, i have to echo manisha's sentiments and my answer also is if you're using it to to enhance the story then i'm all for that too because cash grab stuff yeah i don't really care but you know it's a really unique thing that angley wants to present which is i wanted to show i wanted to present it in in a way in which it felt and looked real so i was like oh that's really neat i kind of really want to see it in the way that he wants me to see it which is 120 frames per second and in 3d unfortunately i don't think i'm going to get 120 i think i'm only going to get 60 so uh in any case uh i'm i'm curious about it even though i've already heard some mixed reviews about the movie i'll i'll check out anything angley's doing and experimenting and um at the same time I'm more of a fan of 70 millimeter and filming in the IMAX ratio. That that's much more exciting for me than than faster frame rates in 3D. Yeah. Cool. But the it's crazy no thing is the crazy thing is that um that you know James Cameron's going to do like the same thing with Avatar essentially, not in 120 right. frames, but like I think 60. I think is his plan right now or something like that. And people can doubt him, but he seems to prove you wrong every single time. So well, I, very, I, I, I like maybe he'll be the line one. For that. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe he'll be the one where like I'll be like, yeah, HD TV, Automotion Plus. Let me let me have one of those so I can watch these James Cameron films that right way. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gets it though. He gets how yeah. these advances in technology can add a new layer to a film, to the layer to the story. He does, but I mean, in Ang, Ang, you know, Angley's no slouch either. So I. It's, I haven't seen it yet to be able to judge personally, but I mean, I, it's right. a shame that it's not getting a stronger reaction just offhand because I do, you know, I, I support what he tries to do in film. Yeah. 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 I, I'm still, I still have a soft spot for Ang Lee's uh, Hulk. I, 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 yeah, I think Aaron does too. Yeah. On a technical level, I think yeah. that movie's terrific. I think it's yeah. such an incredible way of making a comic movie come to life with yep. his use of split screen and uh, yeah. the, the, all, the, all, the, all the kind of tools he put forward to make you know, the biggest art house version of a Hulk movie you could. It's yeah. just a shame that I just thought the, the storyline is just so off-putting. And even, and yeah, I, exactly. I, I haven't seen it in a long enough to really, to, to really know how big the effects would affect, but I mean, there's that one scene in like, where like Hulk's fighting in like the woods with these mutant dog things. And it just looks, it looked awful then. <laughs> so it's like, it still looks awful now, even more. I'd so. imagine it does. Yeah. Yep. But like just the, the focus on like Nick Nolte as the father, like all that stuff just really kind of, it hurt that movie as far as <laughs> the story goes, but I thought it was such an interesting, and you know, I saw that movie with 2003. I was 16. Like it, it I was just like, oh, this is a really great looking film. And I remember yeah. I was all about it. I was like, this is going to be great. And everybody agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, it wasn't great, but still it had ideas. It was forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see an MCU film do something like that, like look like a comic book movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely appreciated the panels because again, it looked like a comic book movie, or it looked like a comic book. So, like, I'm surprised that like the only like Robert Rodriguez is the only one that's coming close to that with like the Sin City ones, just because he's going for like panel by panel dissections of these movies. But yeah. well, we'll see what happens with the third phase of Marvel, though. Uh, in any case, moving to questions now for the panel for everybody here today: Ali, Terrence, and Aaron, and I. Uh, that our listeners asked us. Justin asks, okay, I didn't really know what you meant by new Ghostbusters feel like a set piece. Uh, set, wait, I didn't really I know what you meant my new Ghostbusters here, feels like he's, a... he's referring to, I, I said that new, when we talked about Ghostbusters, I said it right? the, the kind of New York it's depicting looks more like a like a set than actual, uh, than gotcha. actual New York. Because okay. it wasn't shot in New York. Yeah. That, <laughs> it was shot in like a, a back lot Boston. <laughs> Uh, and then he further adds, I got a new 65-inch 4K Ultra HDTV. All right, humble brag. 
uh, <laughs> last month, and now I see it. Lots of old movie CGI looks like crap. Now that the TV looks like X Men movies, totally till they inform or they're in front of a green screen in just about every scene. But upstairs uh, looks fine in my HGTVs. I, Jason, come on, Justin, come on. Anyway, his question is. My question is, have you seen this phenomenon in which movies that you liked in lower resolutions, when they're up played on these giant new TVs, do they affect your nostalgic factor for them? Well, I think that, I mean, I, I just referenced that with like when you talk about going to the, like a Best Buy and looking at like the Automotion Plus thing, I think there's, you know, fil- film is shot in a very specific way. And especially, right. you know, with the advent of CGI or whatnot, movies in like the 90s, for example, there's a reason the CGI doesn't look very good now because it was in its early stages to a point. And especially when you up the resolution to 4K, it's certainly not going to look very good. There's movies from recent times that aren't going to look good because the the effects weren't, you know, they weren't created to be displayed in that realm. And so it it can affect movies. I I don't have a 4K TV as of yet, or you know, I have you know an HD TV and a Blu-ray player or what have you. But like (laughs) it's there's movies where certainly older ones where I can tell that there's a level of effects play at work, but I, I think it comes down to my appreciative of a movie more than how good the effects necessarily were. There are certainly movies that I might not be as close to because it feels aged, but it's rarely a, you know, something like King Kong from 33. I love that movie. You know, it's, it's a stop yeah. motion movie and like, you know, it has, sure. It has a, you know, it, it's of its time, or even something more like uh, Jason and the Argonauts, movies like that, where you know they're they're made as very specific specific way because that's what was available right. at the time, and that's the best you can do. Or even even Raiders, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, has, you know, it's made with the what at that time was the latest and greatest effects. But like watching it now, I don't focus on how it was done or why it doesn't look necessarily real or something because it's the effect of the movie itself. So I, it's there, there. It's not a specific movie I can think of where it's because the effects weren't that good anymore because of how they look on a fancy new TV that I suddenly don't like as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I I like... movie. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the Phantom Menace versus Attack of the Clones, uh-huh. uh, the Attack of the Clones, you don't even need a 4K TV. You look on a, a good size HD or HD TV. The the CGI in Attack of the Clones really isn't there, and it really pulls that movie down. Um, the Phantom Menace still has enough practical effects where it, it visually doesn't bother me as much, but I definitely see it with some of that early 2000s era CGI. Um, the other era... It, place where I experience this more so is with TV, like uh, shows from um, yeah. 80s and 90s really look fuzzy and are, are can be tough to watch on a really good TV. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely agree with the TV uh, conversion, the TV show conversion. Uh, I'd also like to add that, you know, in terms of CG and uh, all this other jazz, I don't think it really necessarily affects the nostalgic value of it because when I look back at Toy Story, the original Toy Story. Uh, I mentioned this uh, a while ago, but you can definitely see like the circles and the the sharp edges around the designs of the characters. But it doesn't really affect the story per se. But that being said, that's a specific example of like an animated. Well, that's the beauty movie, of like though. yeah, that's the beauty of something like Pixar, where they have so much more at play than the fact that it's a CGI or a CG animated film. Like it's right. It it helps you have movie star voices and a compelling storyline or what have you. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really. It, uh, affect me so much justin it's just more that oh well that's a little bit more obvious now and mm-hmm. it i've seen it when i first saw it i didn't notice it as much 
a terrible example is Spawn, right? So 1997 Spawn. Oh, when yeah. You, when I watched that in the theaters, I was like, this is amazing. When he's like in hell and he's like shooting laser beams out of his eyes and killing all these violators. I feel like you were the one person that was saying that was amazing even then. I, don't, I, I don't loved know Spawn that. as a kid. I collected the comics and I had a lot of trading cards. I like how uh, we've talked about Spawn in a commentary track, yet we still can't. Like, that should have been the ending of talking about Spawn, <laughs> but we're still talking about it. Michael J. White li- likes the love, man. <laughs> But in any case, uh, yeah, I don't think it really affects the nostalgic value. It just looks a little bit different. Probably a lot different, actually. But cool. It's a good question, Justin. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jason asks, much simpler, after Lego Movie, <laughs> <laughs> would you would you want to see a Lego Superman movie or a Lego Harry Potter movie? So no. Like, is after Lego Batman, like, do, do we want to see more of these Lego movies around various characters i don't want to see lego batman so no (laughs) (laughs) i i think lego batman is the best batman we have going right now so i'm actually pretty excited for that um i don't want to see lego harry potter um that's a that's a good question i haven't thought about that um i think a lego justice league could be cool um it was it's just so much more fun and bright and joyous than the the Zack Snyder DC Cinematic Universe we're seeing, so I think that could be a nice contrast. Yeah, I saw, um, I saw they, Lego did release. It's like Gotham City Breakout or something. Yeah, they have lots of like the I, kind of direct video. Yeah, Lego I saw that one, that. and it was you know bright and and nice, but it was kind of like slight. So well, I think I think what it gets to is that the, the you know obviously the, the Lego Batman who's getting his own movie it was such an indelible like way to present the character like it, it really worked for people and now he has his own movie coming out which I'm looking forward to I'm a huge Lego movie fan and I'm, I I like Will Arnett's take on Lego Batman and the problem with the others is that I haven't seen breakout story you know characters come from the Lego movie involving Superman right. who was voiced by Channing Tatum in the, mm-hmm. in the Lego movie or like I didn't Harry know that. <laughs> Like I, yeah, because like Green Lantern's um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, that movie it gave Batman this kind of newish identity that you haven't seen before. That was really funny for a lot of people. We haven't seen that for any other real, you know, kind of spin-off character, I guess, so far until you know Lego Movie Two comes out or whatever else they're doing, where you can really dig into Lego Superman or Lego Harry Potter, as the question's asking. So it's like it's more of like. We need to see some example that proves like a reason to have this exist more than just like, oh, yeah, they can do that, too. This next question from Jason asks, which movie alien race would you most want to be abducted by Richard Dreyfuss style in Close Encounters in the, of the Third Kind? Hmm. None? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the movie Alien. E.T.? Uh, let's see. Mac and Me, obviously. Um... <laughs> There's so I, I guess if there's like a training program in the predator verse, that could be fun, right? Like a oh no, <laughs> no, but like you're no, on, like no, you're like no, you're, no. you're on their side. <laughs> I mean, you saw what happened. Adrian Brody is still stuck on that planet, so I guess so. Yeah, so that training program is probably terrible. <laughs> Never mind. If, uh, I don't know. I, I guess if the abyss, you could turn into like a creepy liquid monster. That might be fun for a bit. That'd be kind of neat. <laughs> I mean, I, I I hate to be the Trekkie again, but I I would I guess I'm gonna go with the Vulcans. Like they're they're pretty peaceful and they're they're kind of like judgy, but uh, I know they're not gonna kill me. That's true. Jump, jump back to like Fifth Element. There seem to be lots of planets out there that I have all kinds of like we've got Flossed in Paradise. I mean, go on a cruise in space and see some opera. Like, that seemed to work out. That sounds good. giant. Yeah. 
I mean, take away the whole, like, you know, battle with the aliens and explosion stuff, you know, just a regular Frost in Paradise trip might be worthwhile. All right. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Last question here. Yeah. Philip, Philip writes, I'm confused about the popularity of Starship Troopers. I think the writing and acting is poor, which I have heard people who like it concede. Do satires have a different standard of evaluation? Don't Dr. Strangelove, Big Trouble in Little China, and Young Frankenstein have good writing and performances that stack up with any other genre? Or do you think my opinion of Starship Troopers is wrong? Oh, I think it's wrong. I think that's that's part of it right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, never wrong. Uh, no, obviously, it's a subjective take on the film. I, yeah. I, I do think Paul Verhoeven has a very specific take on what he was doing with that film that more or less really worked out. Uh, obviously, it had, but what's crazy is I read about um, things like the Coen brothers are huge fans of that movie, for example. Like, there's a lot of like filmmakers that really love what Starship Troopers did, uh, which was like reverse what the book was do- what the um, yes. book was doing to make it satirical. Yeah. And while I wouldn't say yeah, like the actors are like the best actors out there, I think. Verhoeven knew what he was doing with those actors, which was getting a group of soap opera actors at the time, like most of them from soap operas, like and and putting them into these situations very deliberately. In addition to the writing, which I do think is on point, I think the writing has some really fun ideas, just much like Robocop um, and Total Recall has some really interesting ideas of how to treat a future um, th- that's based in a in a in a you know like a, fa- a fascist society like there's some yeah. there's some really smart stuff going on under the surface of hey here's a bunch of people fighting a bunch of aliens in a war movie like there's i mean the real question is in the robocop universe would you buy it for a dollar uh i'd like to know more <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah, i mean yeah the, the, you can certainly stack that up against other movies like strange love or big Tri- big trouble is a fun one big trouble in china yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah which is streaming on netflix right now i think but they, yeah, it is, and they but they operate on different levels, I would say. So it's a matter of it's obviously taste for one thing. And, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, you know to answer the question, it's ultra subjective. I I'm still not huge on Cyber Troopers, even though uh, I've seen it multiple times, and uh, maybe because the first sitting was I was uh, pretty young and I just didn't understand the sarcasm of it or the wittiness of it. So maybe now that I'm older, if I revisited it, it might be better, but. I was just never huge on it anyway. I loved it, and I love it for the same reason I love South Park. Um, it, it at times is so ridiculous, but it does have this this uh, this layer of commentary that's that's there mm-hmm. if you open yourself up to it. Cool. All right. Well, that was that. Now feedback. 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 Let's uh, let's move on to um, what, what what time is it? Uh, I think it might be time for a game here, Aaron. That's oh actually goodness. the music that plays when Jeremy Renner first meets Forrest Whitaker in the movie. Yeah, on his glasses. <laughs> yeah, what what's on his glasses? That was, that was, of course, the improv theme for games. And uh, Abe, do you have a game for us? I have a game for you guys this week. It's called Name Dropping Extraterrestrial Alien Edition. What this is is uh, I will name a movie, and if you feel like you can name more characters from that movie, you can feel free to answer. But if somebody feels as though you're bluffing on the number of people that you can name in that movie and they call you out, you have to start listing. And if you don't list the number that you named, that person who called you out gets the point. Does that make sense? Are we, are so we you, naming you, the characters or the oh, you're actors? Oh, you're naming the actors. The actors. I'm oh, sorry. okay. Did we okay. do a version of this game before? Yeah, we did. Very early oh, on. I will like, probably okay. lose. This is yeah. like a, this, You've like reformatted liars dice into a movie game, and I like it. <laughs> so first, you're gonna so you're gonna I'll, name, I'll a, name movie, a movie, and, and then uh, you okay. guys can basically 
think or bluff your way into the number of actors you can name from that movie. And then uh, it gets really kind of decisive, di- divisive there. So okay. do, do we again, buzz in or Abe, are you going to just ask each of I, us? I think I'm going to go each one of you because uh, no need to really buzz. There's no time. Uh, okay. Uh, All right. So the first okay. movie we have here is uh, Aliens. 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 Yes. So, uh, Terrence, how many people do you think you can name from Aliens? <laughs> Actors. Okay. Wow. Okay. Ali? Two. And Aaron? I think I could go six. Uh, uh, I, I don't think Aaron can do six. Yeah. I'll call the blast. All right. Let's see it, Aaron. All right. Sigourney Weaver. Okay. Bill Paxton. It's two. Paul Reiser. It's three. Michael Bean. It's four. Um, Peter, uh, not, not, um, Lance, sorry, Lance Hendricks. I was thinking Robocop. Lance Hendrickson. That's five. And um, uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Boom! Six. That's six. <laughs> Wow. That was Vasquez. Yeah. That was six. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. unfortunately, you guys called his bluff, and he wasn't bluffing, so Aaron gets the point. All I had was Gorney Weaver and Paul Reisner. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone remember Newt, the the, the actress who Carrie played Carrie Hen? Carrie Hen. Yeah. You could have gotten seven there, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Next one here, Men in Black. Terrence. Oh my goodness, three. <laughs> okay, I was I'll gonna leave. say three, two. Yeah. All right, and Aaron. I could do I could do six again. Actually, I just thought of a. Six. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. What? Do you Do you guys think you can do six or? You, no, or... I'm calling it. All right, Ollie's calling your bluff there, sir. If it is Will, one. Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones. Two. Yeah. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Three. I keep forgetting Rip, that he was in that. Rip Torn. <laughs> That's four. Linda Fiorentino. That's five. And You're Tony Shalhoub. There, there's six. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I thought of Tony Shalhoub. I thought of Monk Lass. That's another point for Aaron there. Next one here. Cowboys and Aliens. This movie has a lot of people in it. <laughs> what do you got, Terrence? One. <laughs> One. All right. Ali? Uh, two. I can do... No, I can do three. You don't want You don't want to bluff your way into, like, 12? No. I want to no, see no, Ali no. do three. I couldn't even, like, attempt to bluff. <laughs> Aaron, is, Aaron is calling you out, Ali, on three. That's easy. I mean, the title actor, uh, title actor, Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig, uh, Olivia Wilde. That is three. There's also what so. Sam Rockwell, Paul Dano, Gee. Adam uh, Beach, Adam Beach, Clancy yeah. Brown, Clancy Brown. Uh, all these other people that are, Keith Carradine. So Ali, you got it because uh, Aaron called you up, but you knew three. So there you go. All right, those uh, are just pity points right there, Aaron. <laughs> pity points. <laughs> I was Next movie he could do three. <laughs> and and he proved you right or wrong? I think that was the first movie we were like very disappointed in. Yeah. Well, I, I was pretty disappointed this, in doing it. Doing this podcast. Doing on this the podcast. podcast. Yeah. Because yeah. no, there's movies we've gave negative reviews to, but I think that was the first one we were like disappointed in. Yeah, we were bummed out that it wasn't better. So. Next does movie here. John Favreau, does he do, do a cameo in the film? Is he? Um, he might have. He might have been in some. In his films. Yeah. He's he's like M Night Shyamalan. He likes to play some some really side character. 
Well, he's a better actor, though. That's what will help. <laughs> That's true. And maybe a better director, too. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. far. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't say he's in Cowboys. I'm looking it up now. It doesn't say he's in Cowboys and Aliens. Okay. And it's uh, funny that we mentioned Internet Shyamalan because the next movie is Signs. Oh. Terrence? Six. Six? Oh, I'm calling that. Did you say six? That was what I said. Okay, Ali. Call it. Let's call it. I can do. Calling it. They're calling you out, Terrence. All right. So, M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) Okay, yep. Yep. That's right. (laughs) Mel Gibson. One. That's two. Joaquin Phoenix. That's three. A young Abigail Breslin. That's four. Super young Rory Culkin. That's Rory five. Culkin. I couldn't think of the Culkin. Merritt Weaver. That is six. That is correct. Yeah, Merritt Weaver plays Tracy Abernathy, the pharmacist. Yes. Uh, who's is it? Cameron Monheim? What is it? What's her name? The like the police officer person. Uh, Terry Jones. Like, oh, Jones. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Scary Movie. Scary Movie has like yeah. a scene. <laughs> yeah. Terrence, you got that point because they called you out. And you knew it. Yes. All right, next one here. Mars attacks. Oh my! Oh boy! Oh, oh man! I'm gonna offhand say nine and just assume I can get that nine. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna call that. <laughs> All, right. All right, nine, Aaron. This All is... right. You know okay. what? That you could just throw stuff at the wall and probably yeah. I'm glad that JFK and Mars attacks have two things in common. Most people are in those movies. <laughs> All right. Here we nine, go. Nine. nine. All right. Okay, Jack Nicholson. One. Glenn Close. Two. Annette Benning. Three. Annette, um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. It's four. Michael J. Fox. Five. Pierce Brosnan. Six. Jim Brown. That's seven. Natalie Portman. That's eight. <laughs> Pam Greer. That's nine. And then there's still like Jack Black, Lucas <laughs> Haas. Uh, Martin Short, Martin Danny Short, DeVito, Danny DeVito, Tom, Tom Jones, Jones <laughs> Lucas Haas. <laughs> so, all right, Aaron, that was a point for you there. Uh, next movie here, Species. I think I only got one. Yeah, I only got one. Okay. Aaron, can you beat one? Yeah, I can do. I can do four. Four. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, is that a bluff, four, guys, or is four. that? Uh... I think it's a by default bluff. Okay, all right. Let's see the four there, Aaron. Forrest Whitaker, because he's that's correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, Michael Madsen. Yep. Marge Helgenberger. Dude. That's three. Yeah. And then Natasha Henstridge. That's four. Yeah. And Sir Alfred Ben Molina Kingsley is, is also in it. And Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina is also in it. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, another point to Aaron there. And this one came up a lot, but the next one is Contact. Four. Five, Five for Ali. Four for Aaron. No, five, or is that? Oh no, no, five, five Karens. I'm gonna say five too. Ooh, who's it gonna be here? Okay. Can anyone go six? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stick with my five. Okay. Well, let's. Uh... Okay, I'm calling Terrence's bluff. How about that? So if we call Terrence's bluff, then okay. let's check out Terrence for the five, and Ali. We'll see for what the happens. Steal. For the steal, yeah. So, Terrence, you're being Jody, called out. Jodie Foster. That's one. Uh, Maddie Ice. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Maddie. That's two. Um, Tom Skerritt. Three. 
Max Martini. That's four. <laughs> William Fickner. That is five. Yeah. 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 First round for William. Is it yeah, Alfred five. Woodard or Angela Bassett that's in that movie? It is I, Angela Bassett. Three. It's Angela Bassett. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Angela Bassett. Bassett. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do Larry King, Jay Leno, and Bill Clinton also count? <laughs> they, they yeah. I'm I'm gonna give them credit because IMDb gives Larry King credit. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, in the future, we know that works. <laughs> in that case, I'm gonna give it to Terrence, and here's a hug to Ali. Yeah. All right, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Let's see, two more here. Starship <laughs> Troopers. Honestly, zero. <laughs> I can do. I can do four. Four. Zero. Um, I could probably do two. Okay. So, Aaron, you got four. It's neat. Here are those four. Okay. Tarzan himself, Casper Van Dien. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, yep. That's two. Michael Ironside. Yes. That's three. And Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick, yeah, that's four. Also, Other Denise people. Richards. Yep, Denise Richards. Jake Busey. Jake Busey, <laughs> Jake yeah. Jake Busey, yeah. Yeah. All right, last the one. Wire, here. The wire, the Seth Gilliam is in there. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Last one here, the faculty. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, in the faculty too. <laughs> I'll go four. Four, okay. I don't think I can do one. I can six. Six. Right. Let's, Let's hear, hear it. Usher. Uh, <laughs> Usher uh, is in the movie. Yes, that's correct. What? Yes, yeah, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, that's two. Jordana Brewster. That's three. John Stewart. Yep. D- yep, that's four. <laughs> what? <laughs> Evie New Earth. Uh-huh. Yep, that's five. Piper Laurie. That is six. That is six indeed. You got uh, Elijah Wood and yeah. Robert Patrick. and. Uh... Yep. Actually, Clea Duvall was... Uh, Clea Duvall. And, yeah. and, of course, Jean Grey Fom- herself, Fomke Johnson. Fomke Johnson. Yes. And, um, uh, let's see, Harry Knowles from Ain't Cool News is in there. <laughs> there are some... Salma Hayek is in there? <laughs> yeah, it has so many. Yeah. I'm just looking now at this. The, Danny Masterson is in this. Yeah, this yeah. Like, it's packed. The packed cast. Right. Anyway, that was uh, the game. And, Aaron, you came in with five rights. Uh, Terrence, you came in with three, and Ali, you have one, but you have my forever love. Nice. That was just a good team effort, I would say. I thought that, that was. was yeah. So. All right. Anyhow, so that, was that was game. Thank you, Abe. You're welcome. Let's let's move on quickly through the the last last of the stuff here. Uh, out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Um, first up, Finding Dory. Yeah, go see it. Let's see, Star Wars: The Force Awakens 3D Edition. Yeah. Uh, haven't heard mm-hmm. of it, but okay. It's, <laughs> I'm excited. It's got that commentary track that I've been looking forward to, and it's fun to watch it in 3D. What's the commentary track? It's J.J. Abrams doing something. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was disappointed yeah. that wasn't on the first release, so. Well, here, and just in time, Disney has both this and also the Jungle Book 3D comes out this week with more. <laughs> speaking of John Favreau. Um, so more, more additional special features on both of those releases. Uh, let's see, Game of Thrones Season 6. Coming in early this year. It usually comes out like in June before the new season starts or whatever. Well, the new um, season won't be back till June, so. That's okay. Or like it comes out like in April or like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. it's fairly early. Uh, Space Jam 20th Anniversary Edition out on Blu ray this week. Oh, Ooh, yeah, happy Space Jam. LeBron can study up for Space Jam 2. Uh, let's see. <laughs> 
uh, uh, David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers gets a Scream Factory Collector's Edition this week. Uh, cool. Solid, uh, thriller with uh, Jeremy Irons. Uh, time After Time is a uh, Warner Archive this week. This is a good movie, if people haven't seen this one, about uh, <laughs> about Jack the Ripper going through time and, um, uh, what's his name, um, H.G. Wells going after him. It's 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 fun. The it's author? Yes, the author. Yes. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It has uh, Malcolm <laughs> Malcolm McDowell in it. It's it's a it's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna uh, go pick that up. Yeah. Let's see. Better Call Saul season two. I've heard good things. Um. Let's see. Uh, on Criterion this week we have uh, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams and uh, PTA's Punch Drunk Love, which I've been huh. waiting for for. A Blu-ray release, let alone a Criterion edition, so that's good. Uh, let's see, Citizen Kane 75th Anniversary Edition. That's out this I've... week on Blu-ray. <laughs> Any new stuff on it? I assume there's probably one new thing on there. Nice. I don't know if it's a new transfer or not. I have to look into that. Curious. And lastly, for all the Star Trek, the animated series is out on Blu-ray. On Blu-ray, week. yes! Yes! They have an animated series? Yeah, it came out in the 70s, and it's very 70s. The uh, <laughs> the the uh, it's not the best animation, but there's some uh, gems of stories in there. You can find our Blu-ray review of that over on whysoblue.com. Actually, Brandon Peters, friend of the show, reviewed the Blu-ray for Star Trek: The Animated Series. There's a great cat species on the bridge of the Enterprise in the animated <laughs> series. All right, uh, that was uh, now next up. Extremely cool. These are movies that are going to be on are streaming now on Netflix, and I just want to recommend one that I know of offhand. Sing Street is now on Netflix Instant, um, <laughs> leaving less and less reasons for anyone not to see Sing Street. Aaron was very excited. Time. He texted me about it, and now I I'm excited too. I want to see it. And uh, let's see next uh, next week's show. Next week we're talking Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Where do you that find is- them? That, uh, New York, apparently. Apparently, Brooklyn. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Ollie, yeah, right up out. your street. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You gotta. Yeah. Watch. Out. <laughs> so we're doing this podcast, and hey, we've we just only called the, one... we just call them New Yorkers. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've only talked about what the last Harry Potter film since doing this podcast. So now we have, I guess, another round. We got more. Cool. And uh, last thing we do here: what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Uh, Abe, what what are what are people seeing in theaters right now? I'm not gonna lie, I don't know if it's it's not in theaters anywhere, but you should definitely go and pick up uh, a copy or rent uh, Kuba and the Two Strings. Um, that comes out in uh, a week. Yeah, I thought it was already out, uh, but if it's not it out, out, anyway. Uh, but if you haven't seen Doctor Strange, then go see Doctor Strange, uh, preferably in IMAX 3D. I know it might be a little bit more, but I feel as though it's worth it. Next is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Ollie and Matsu, where should people what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, Moonlight. Go see that. And what do you see next? Uh, I'll see Fantastic Beasts. Um, I, I think I'm most excited probably to see Rogue One, but I'll, I'll, I'm a Harry Potter fan. I'll check out Fantastic Beasts. Terrence Johnson, what do people go and see in theaters right now? Um, I will second the Moonlight mention. It is a wonderful film. I'll, I'm going to go see Fantastic Beasts. I need to see if my friends want to dress up. That'd be neat. In, you know, our Hogwarts houses. <laughs> clothes since we don't have the american <laughs> houses clothes yet <laughs> wait wait now we need to know what's your house slytherin oh the best house no 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 no. the best house is hufflepuff which is which that's the one i don't it's acknowledge the most fun to say. That's <laughs> so you wouldn't acknowledge it being slytherin <laughs> <laughs> there are only three houses as far as i'm concerned oh man <laughs> You well, know, Slytherin. Yeah, it sounds like the motto for Slytherin's dormitory is O'Doyle rules. 
<laughs> That's why there's all those banana peels outside the doors to all the rooms. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd say go see Arrival, go see Doctor Strange in 3D, and then go see Moonlight. Just have a trifecta of films there. A field day, yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, there's still the AFI Fest, so there's a number of things out to see, but I will be seeing uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new film, Split, actually. Oh, nice. Um, cool. I want to see that. Over at AFI Fest. And, and very uh, yeah, And Fantastic Beasts at some point, obviously. Um, all right, so with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. As I'm going through this outro, just remember that there is a spoiler section on Arrival at the end of this podcast, so feel free sure to stick around after the music. But in the meantime, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my reviews and whatnot that I post all over the place there. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and also twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, Ali Matu, where can people find more of your work online? I'm at Ali Matu on Twitter. If you go to thepsychshow.com, that'll get you to my psychology show about making psychology fun and easy to understand. And at brainknowsbetter.com, I talk all about psychology and science fiction. Terrence Johnson, where can people, people find more of your work online? You can find me on Twitter at Lenoir Tour. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R. LenoirTour.net is where I post things such as reviews and random commentary <laughs> cool. right. you can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. you can also hear us over at HHWLOD SoundCloud and Podomatic feel free to email us any thoughts that you may have had on Arrival or anything else we discussed this week over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or you can tweet at us twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast and of course there's our Tumblr page because why not at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com hands on hands on hands Hashtag Dr. Strange. <laughs> so with all that said, uh, thank you, Ali and Terrence, for joining me today. Thank you both. I discussed the movie. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, sure. And uh, we'll see you just how fantastic these beasts are next week on next week's show. So until then, so long. And goodbye. This new section we'll talk about, where we talk about some of the, you know, what goes on towards the end of this movie. I want to mention about the poster again. Not only does Jeremy Renner not have glasses on it, but uh, it looks like they unforced Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker, in his face. On really? The poster. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, it, it, it's oh like they, I think they like mirrored his eye, so it's like they're both level, <laughs> even though that's like. A huge, nice character quirk of his. Like that's 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 for, that's not the Forrest Whitaker I know. So. Oh my gosh! It's really awkward to look at. It's like that's not Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so with that, so as we Aaron, all know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking yeah. at it right now, Aaron. You're totally right. That uh, doesn't look Forrest like Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? Mm. <laughs> it's... it's like a different actor. <laughs> That's how that's wow. how important his facial features are. Like that's wow. It's weird. <laughs> okay, so as we all know, all right. 
by the end of this movie, Ripley blows up the LV-240. Like, it's just crazy. And then <laughs> the aliens get out. I don't know. But so, I get, I to lead this off, I guess, my question is, when Amy Adams begins to, when she, you know, understands what's going on here, is it just, is it singular to just her as far as understanding the, like, like do you want, if she, if just because she understands the language, she can see time? Or is it that anyone that deciphers this language can see time? Is that how it works? I think I it's like unique it to just her. her. Is it unique to yeah. her? I think that's what the aliens were saying. Uh, you know, it's unique to you because you can see the future. Um, I want to get back but to something what, that Terrence just talked. Well, I guess yeah. why though? That's why that was my. Mm, that's a good question. She she's <laughs> gifted. She cool. has the gift of foresight. Like, it's like I can understand girl. it if it if it was because she was able to decode the language, but I wonder is like, well, decoding the language means you can time travel essentially. <laughs> like, it's no, somehow I, it somehow gives you the ability to experience time non-linearly, and yes, I think yes. Amy Adams is the only character who gets that by the end of the movie. But I think in this future that we see when she's okay. written that book, anyone who understands the alien language would gain that ability. So I, I like that commentary that even time is a cultural and language concept. Our, our time of uh, how we experience time does change depending on what culture you live in and, and the language true. you think in. That's cool. But the way it's done, it's like, wait, really? So you could just like see forward in time by that's learning exactly, any yeah, language? That's, that's what I'm trying to notice. Like, so reading a book <laughs> and understanding a language means like you know your future. Like that's, that's so confusing. Well, I think that was, that was sort of where my, my issues with this started with the yeah. fact that we get this prologue, which we come to find out is actually the future. And the way the movie is constructed, it just, by the end of it, it just felt really weird for, like, I, mean, I know that we get this voiceover, um, and she's like, oh, this is the story of your life, which is why I think changing the title was great, because that would have given it away instantly. But it's just like, we didn't and it would know. have really put a lot of 14-year-olds in the seats because I thought it was yeah. a One Direction movie. Yeah. But it's like... <laughs> or a social that, distortion documentary. That, <laughs> that too. That prologue, I, it just set me up for something different that the movie didn't really deliver on because it was like at that point she didn't have the ability to see for the future. It, it, I think it, that would have been a little more compelling to me yeah. if we were getting these flash forwards as she's being able to perceive time a little differently and we start to see the buildup leading to the daughter dying um and yeah. it was like because when those flash forwards started coming into the narrative i was just like oh my god like can we just go back to the aliens and figure out what they're saying um there's only one sort of weird dream sequence that worked for me and it was the one with like the alien i guess yeah. the bottom part of it um because that was such a brilliant use of like sound and the image and the acting all came together in that moment for this really weird blend. Cause otherwise it just felt really choppy when she was like, Oh, you know, what's the, what's the word for when both of us don't win. And I was kind of like, all right. I mean, I don't, I see why you're doing this. <laughs> Rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. Like I see like, what the commentary on the film is. Right. It, it it just it didn't it hasn't wholly curled over for me. So two I, things. I completely so, agree with yeah, you, Terrence. Two, two things. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I think the alien design is pretty 
pretty unique. I, I, I yeah. really yes. I enjoyed, yes. I enjoyed yes. what yeah. they did with that, where it's like, it felt like it some came put something out of the mist, essentially the Frank Darabont film, more than like, you know, any kind of alien that I've seen before, but like mm. I thought it was yeah. very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting way to handle it. And yeah, when you, you know, you get to that dream sequence, because it's, you know, they're not shrouded in mist, you just see kind of a full-on look, or at least part of it, of what it is, is like, that it's somewhat shocking because you know the, the coloring's different so it's like oh this is this thing is just here now it's like whoa what is that right um but as far as the kind of the use of the flesh i would say yes that because there's more of them i was less enamored by what it was trying to do but i did like the you know when you think thinking back on the film knowing what transpires thinking about how it opens i did like that you know as opposed there's a lot there seems to be a lot of sci-fi films that rely on generally a you know a heroine um being distraught by some kind of you know major death whether it be a daughter or a father mm-hmm. figure or something mm-hmm. like that. you think of contact you think of gravity if mm-hmm. you know i mean there's yeah there, there's that seems to be a common way of handling this kind of story like giving the character some kind of impetus to be the way they are so when you think sure. back on it it's like that's not what this film actually is like it's playing off of that trope like it's actually doing something to present it in a different angle than normally you normally find where it's it's not that Amy Adams is already at this at this emotional state. She hasn't even got there yet. The movie's kind of it's it's playing with you. And I thought that was right. a clever idea. Now because it uses you know it, it kind of throws in all these flash words along the way. I think yes, the kind of the it it, it the movie that it's not really making it clear what you're trying. I mean besides connecting it to kind of thematically what's going on here and it eventually makes more sense given what you know. I think it, you know, as I mentioned, it's not as if it was like a huge shock when you found out what's going on. So by having those things, I think that's what helps kind of lessen the impact of what's actually being, you know, actually happening with these with this alien yeah. language that's being translated. So I definitely want to pick back on that, too, because that's what Terrence brought up uh, in the regular review of just, you know, when you get to the point where you realize what's going on, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat because that's kind of just the impact that it had, uh, you know. Amy Adams has been having these flash forwards and whatever else and putting piecing it together is neat, especially when she uh, when when she figures out why her husband left her. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I told them something that he didn't want to hear, which is like your your daughter, our daughter's going to die at like the age of 14. Uh, and that's probably what he didn't want to hear. So his eye his eyes change. But uh, when they do figure out what the aliens have been trying to tell him, it's like, well, it kind of just goes into silent commentary of, well, this is the book now and everyone's going to be cool about it. But again, why, why is everyone cool about it? That's the the question you guys were trying to answer earlier. It's like, is it now because everyone now understands how, again, you're seeing your own future or are you all understanding each other in this world peace, which apparently there seems to be, but, uh, well, what I, 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 mean... I kind of would have liked a little bit more of an explanation because there, there, there was no real pizzazz factor. And I'm not looking for like a, a giant all out like, ah, oh, well, here's the entire explanation all unfolded for you. Just more of, well, I think I felt as though it was a little unexplored. Well, it, and it didn't seem earned. Like there, so the theme of of language and understanding that's really fleshed out well in this film. But this idea of you know, is your future predetermined and um, how much choice do we have in the world? And if you knew that your daughter's going to die, would you still have that daughter? 
those themes didn't really feel earned to me. And maybe yeah. if, if yeah, as Terrence was saying, if they didn't have, if they didn't lay all that out in the first 10 minutes and it was scattered throughout the film at different moments, that might've worked better for me, but it, it didn't really, uh, didn't resonate. I'm, on, yeah. I'm of two minds about that because on the one hand, I re- you're mentioning the themes and I think, I think those really work. I think as far as, Getting me to be in a place where I could think about something like that, I think, is an exact kind of thing the film wants you to do, um, yes. regardless of how affecting it is. I mean, there's lesser <laughs> films that do a lot with just general ideas, even if the films aren't particularly well made. And I think the the best success of a film like Arrival, in addition to getting to see great performances and a well-made feature, um, regardless of kind of the, the the effect that it has on you know on me, the the kind of the takeaway that I have. I think is I think there's something to be said about being wanting to explore that in my own mind about what that would mean to me if I had this ability and how I would go about things and that kind of thing. I think that's something that's you know worth praising for you know a, a mainstream studio film that gets away with something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I can agree to a point that yes the the kind of the the actual impact that the film makes as a film is lesser than you than you'd hope i guess i mean between like the 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 um the budding romance between renner and you know, glasses renner and adams is <laughs> is okay i mean there's there's a line that renner has i think towards the end that kind of is like really all right that's that's the go out yeah a lot of people yeah. in the theater are like come on that was yeah. that was a dumb line yeah between that and, but, but i mean so yeah it takes it it takes it down a few pegs as far as like me outright naming this as a new classic film because that's a hard thing for anyone to do and if yeah. anything, Eric Heiser, like if there was, I don't know, maybe someone that, to give him like an assist as far as, you know, help giving some notes on the screenplay or whatnot, which I'm sure, you know, there probably were or what have you. Um, I don't know what more could have been done necessarily. I don't have the answers. But, yes, I did. there's perhaps some screen, further screenplay tinkering that could have made it more impactful, yeah. like Ali, you're saying, you know, to you know, give you something that feels earned or more earned. Yeah. But, uh... And I want to I want to jump back on that just very briefly about the concept of choice and um, whatever else because Ali bring up a good point and I like the way that Minority Report explored that uh, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in a very emotional way as well. Um, whereas this one, I thought that I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that you know some major movie studios are like we can't have movies that leave people in a in a sad mood when the movie ends. It's like. Because the way that I thought Arrival might go is because you saw that first flash forward in the first five, ten minutes of the movie, and she asked the question later at the end of, like, you know, if you knew your future, would you change it? I was kind of hoping that she would say that she wouldn't be with Jeremy Renner and she wouldn't choose to have that sorrow. <laughs> um, and I was like, that would have been a bold move. And that would have been But the question is, can you change it? Yeah, which is... a yeah, again, this movie doesn't present that sort of layout, but I I always appreciate that question to ask. And Aaron, you point this out too. I think the best thing a movie can do is promote discussion, uh, civil discussion about it after the fact that uh, that you've seen it, other than just saying like, you know, it was I. I mean, I, I, but, mean, I also uh, I don't I, think I don't think the movie cops out of some kind of Hollywood ending either. I think it does present a, a kind of. Well, I think I think it has like a nice sweet ending, which is totally fine. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely could have seen a different ending for it as well, which I think would have been uh, like what I, the, the word I used earlier, a little bit bolder. But I, I, think, I, don't, you know, I don't knock it. 
I know, I understand. And I, but I think in a world where we get a lot of movies where aliens arrive or we explore alien worlds and it results in catastrophic destruction, it's nice that a movie like this is like, all right, they arrived, they told us a thing, and they got the hell out of there. And we yeah. learn some stuff along the way, yeah. and we don't but, feel horrible about ourselves afterwards. I mean, I think there's something to be said for something like that. It's, it's a nice sure, change yeah, of pace. Even something like Independence Day, you know, it ends on the most Hollywood ending possible, but thousands and th- millions and billions of lives have been lost in the process. And Austin is now a nuclear zone. Yes. Uh, Aaron, I think to answer your question, I think this movie does come down on you can change the future. Uh, the whole reason why these aliens are here is they say, like, what, in 3,000 years, I we're going to so, need your yeah. help. Yeah. And it, the my, my experience with the story was the aliens do realize we're going to need humans help and maybe they also look at humans and they're like whoa they're they're kind of messed up people let's let's come over here offer them this gift but make the experience of understanding our language require them to overcome some of their nationalistic differences force them to have to work together to uh, to understand the language now, it seems like the yeah. aliens are orchestrating events to create the very future they need but are they doing this to change a future or are they doing this because this is just the part of their timeline where they're required to do this in order for them to help in the future i think that's where things get wibbly wobbly Uh (laughs) if they can perceive time differently as well then i think that's the case but you know the more i think about this movie i think that when you look at this film as a mother i guess writing a story to her dead daughter then it's like, oh, it could make sense how it's it's formed and why certain things have happened. But that like framing device, it's what's like in the framing device that's tough. So we get all of these questions like, okay, so these aliens know that in 3,000 years they need our help, but in order to get that help, they have to come back in time and get all of us to learn a completely different language. It's just like so- Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> it is be kind and excellent to each other it is though George Carlin has to go back in time to make sure that they're on the right path so they can become the excellent ones in the future and so they can help when the, when the time and it's a utopia in the future well I mean it's, you know it's got some Terminator in it right like we yeah. we go back yeah. to save I the mother so. of John Connor it, and... it has a lot of that as far as conundrums go like yeah. this kind of cyclical thing that you have to wonder is like which I guess Terminator 3 tries to answer, where Judgment Day is inevitable. I mean, which is, again, why I think Terminator 3 is underrated. But um, it has I think some, it's, a, uh, it's a neat ending. It has yeah. some ideas. I'd also like to add, yeah, I'd like to add as my final uh, spoiler thing, when, I, I think that the, the director and the writer, they, they did such a solid job on the aliens and the non, non-verbal speech that when Amy Adams is up in the spaceship and she asks, well, where's Abbott? And he's like, Abbott is in death cycle. I was hit with like a tinge of sadness. <laughs> I was I like yeah. I was genuinely like, oh wow, I I didn't realize I you know that that's something I was not expecting. And when that happens, I'm like, I see now why you want to relay this message from I guess the future to us in the present, you know, of uh maybe you need to save your your alien race. But you know, that just kinda goes to show you that you don't need like verbal communication uh, for you to empathize with an alien species. And, I and don't know why you cry. 
Uh, well, and just the just that language of death cycle and the alien language, how it was nonlinear, and it is this circular language where you know the beginning, middle, and end right when you look at it. The design that they used to create that language was so beautiful. Um, adding on to what everyone else has already said about the uh -huh. the alien design, um, all of those pieces were just uh, really wonderfully done. Definitely agreed. It was some ruby wallpaper, that's for sure. Yeah, I like <laughs> that. They also combined. So, like we talked about the generic soldiers, and and they telegraphed that storyline from a mile away. That was the only thing right. I think I was really like, what are? Why are we doing this? But the yeah. scene where they put the bomb on the ship was has been one of the most tense things I think I've ever seen. It's because, copy and it's, it's perfect. You know the bomb. Oh there, yeah. And, and, yeah. And I was just like. And it so brilliantly illustrated sort of why communication and language is so important because, right. like, they didn't know it was there. The aliens did, but they can't communicate. And it was just, it was just this, like, you know, we have this ticking time bomb in terms of communication. And it really sort of made the, the theme uh, of that really, really visceral. And, I was surprised that they, I was just like, please don't blow them up. We've come too far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hats, hats off goes to what I imagine is a huge team that's responsible for creating the language of this film and like yes. and figuring out a way to make that both, you know, and, you know, enjoyable for an audience, you know, an audience to watch something like that unfold and the amount of research that goes into the, the very concept of, of seeing time in a linear or in a cyclical way. Like it's such a, Sure. I can't imagine what kind of process that is, but I, you know, hats off to the filmmaking team for making that work. So, can I ask you all about what you thought about um, China's depiction here? Um, nope, it, we're moving on. No, yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed seeing um, the the shells. Those little uh, 2001 monolith style kind of things landing in different parts of the world. And I, I liked where the story was in the beginning with how they're uh, depicting, uh, all right, we got to all work together, superordinate goals. We're going to overcome our, our differences. And then um, and then towards the end, it felt like um, we're just falling into some Chinese stereotypes, um geopolitical stereotypes. So I don't know. I was interested to hear what what your all thoughts were on were that. There, were there like stereo? I mean, was it, I mean, if, if for me, just the, the way I can kind of consider it as far as a, a movie like this goes, it, it feels like more of you have, you know, you have a, a major general in China who's kind of, you know, he's wants to be more aggressive about how to handle this whole alien thing based off both, you know, the, the population of, of China and other nations kind of, revolting against the government's seclusion of this whole thing and not letting information out and being a, a nation that would realistically be one of be something one that would want to challenge what's going on here in a more hostile way not necessarily that china's the one that would do this but like as a you know you draw you draw the names of a hat of the major countries that will be involved in a situation like this and like i thought that i thought it worked for what the movie was doing like but in let alone the fact that they're the ones that ultimately make the world safe because they back down and everything works out because yeah. of it. So that, to, my, my answer to your question, Ali, was uh, I thought it was also a little strange at first, and then you know I saw who the writer was of the short story. His name is Ted Chang. He's Chinese. And I was like, well, maybe there's something there uh, that maybe it's some, some sort of commentary that he has personally. But mm. at the same time, I also just think, well, in terms of the major powers currently in today's environment, yeah, China would be a superior military power uh, in that 
region of the world. So I could see that uh, happening. Let's remember that America was the one that did set off a bomb inside the alien ship, too. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're true. jerks. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the the last piece of it was just like, oh well, I guess uh, they're gonna do pretty well in the Chinese market for the for the movie marketing. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm mixed. You know, I like Aaron what you said about the um uh um the Chinese and maybe the commentary hey, Abe here from the writer about um freedom of speech in China and, and so how that might play out, um, in the entire nation. Um, and yeah, I don't know what side I fall on that. Um, there's things I like about that story. There's things I don't like, but, um, right. and I think that the part that I don't like is, so it was her discovering, um, his, uh, the Chinese general's, uh, wife's dying words that somehow cut through the communication. It just kind of felt like cheating. Like, okay, you looked into the future discovered this thing came back and said it um so what does that mean you know like what 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 do we take from that i don't know well i thought i mean it speak it speaks to the the nature of this language and how it could be useful but also how do you get someone that's so you know so intent on doing a certain thing to back down from something you have to go to the most personal possible place to do so but i also i enjoyed how it it came directly from him because of this kind of conundrum involving how would we ever know this to begin with if we didn't know it before kind of reasoning that you know uh, what are you are you saying he also had that ability and they no i'm saying not but in but, the but, future but, no but the kind of the what she i'm trying to remember the movie but she's trying to, you know when the what she gets she sees a future where he where he tells her the thing the thing that she needed to say only because he felt he was required to do so, and that that cycle would have that's you know, explaining time travel right now. It seems so <laughs> if you're gonna like explain I, time travel, then we're gonna be here all day with straws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I like the the kind of the 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 weird inevitability of how things are supposed to play out, and how I mean, it, sure, it has to directly tie to a major nation and depicting it in a certain way to get across right. a message. And perhaps, I mean, this goes to my scope problem with the movie, perhaps if it had, you know, like a bigger range to explore. But, I mean, the movie's told from Amy Adams' perspective entirely, which is also why you don't see more of, like, just the the various pieces involved in a movie like this and, you know, different government bodies or what have you. Um, So, yeah, yes, it's it's somewhat of a shortcut, per se. But I I can't say it rubbed me wrong in any more way than saying Benedict Cumberbatch become the best Asian of all time last week. (laughs) Oh, well, there's also that. Yeah. But I I like what you're saying here. Maybe there was something within that general who also wanted to overcome this conflict. And somehow that that's what led to that scene. Uh, That idea I really like that. I mean, in another movie or, you know, hit the movie that presents the General Shang side, there could be, you know, you can see all the different you can see the Forrest Whitaker character and the Michael Stuhlbar character all putting pressure on him on how to react and what his personal journey is or something like this. Yeah, and so maybe with our language right now, we can't communicate that, but uh, with this way, we, we could. Uh, yeah, Arrival 2 is going to be amazing, likely. guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we've got to learn how to turn this house into a home. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, because this has been a lengthy spo- – I'm going to end the, the spoiler discussion here. Uh, I'm going to stop it off. Um, so thank yeah. you to everyone that's been tuning in to the end of this podcast. Thanks for listening all these to thoughts. the tail end of the episode. And yes. of course, as again, as I said earlier in this episode, feel free to email it at outnotpodcast.gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Arrival. 
and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's out there. 